This is the Dos Acero Podcast, a weekly show devoted to football in Mexico, the U.S., and beyond. If you are a pocho, huma, regio, chiva, cholo, fresa, tigre, tapatio, chilango, or even a Methodist, pull up a chair, crack open a cold one, and enjoy the next 90 minutes of heated football debate. Thus begins... The Dosa Cero Podcast. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Dosa Cero Football Podcast. My name is John Hugh. Glad that you could join us this evening. Uh, I know that most of us weren't expecting the end of the Chile game, which Chile was leading to halftime, but they had a pretty crazy storm in Chicago, so the game is delayed, so for folks that are waiting for the second half to start, we are live on YouTube right now, so give us a listen as we uh, will take you through at least the beginning of the of the match, the, re, the restart of the second half. But, like I said, this is a Los Ancero Podcast, we are live on the YouTube. We have a, a good cast of characters with us tonight. We have... With us all the way from Hayes County in South Austin, we have Alberto El Chiquiscampa. How are you, sir? Hey, what's up? Glad to be here, everybody. Glad that you're with us, Albert. I know that we missed you uh, when we had the special edition Siete Acero podcast back uh, Saturday night, which we'll uh, probably talk about a little again this evening. Out in Phoenix, Arizona. A gentleman who will is anxiously waiting the loser of this match to play the U.S. in in the meaningless third place game, but it will be Phoenix, and we will have presence there. So it's good to have Fernando Regino with us again. Fernando, I applaud you for your for your effort to go all the way to Santa Clara and then drive back to Phoenix. Uh, a yeoman's effort. Thanks for thanks for doing that for us. Not a problem. It's a pleasure to uh, represent uh, this podcast, Dosa Cero Podcast, SoccerChronicle.com. I will do it again, even though if I knew it was going to be 7-0, to be honest. <laughs> Actually, well, yeah. you know, that's that's part about being a professional is you have to, uh, you know, to put, put yourself, kind of like disassociate yourself with what emotionally with what happens on the field. I know it's hard, and it's very, very hard for all of us, but it is uh, something that we that we all learn and have to eventually uh, deal with. Someone who has uh, experience dealing with that and separating himself emotionally from watching his teams lose over and over and over again is a gentleman out in California with us, a featured writer for Putmax Nation and, of course, Soccer Chronicle. We're talking about Joel Aceves. Joel, how are you, sir? Doing good, Jan. I don't think I've recovered from, from being disassociated. So you're, you you still feel the pain, is what you're saying? No, no, I, I mean, I mean, um, it's hard for me to feel the joy. Oh, I see. Oh, I was so, so oh, I understand. We'll, we'll have to we'll have to talk, 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 touch touch base on that a little bit because I kind of feel the same way. So uh, maybe <laughs> you and I will uh, we'll talk about that. And of course, down in Pachuca, our special correspondent who is in the middle of one of his kids in a tryout with. Uh, Grupo Pachuca, we're all very proud of him and very proud of his kid. Of course, we're talking about Juan Uribe, who is a little under the weather, but got his sexy radio voice working. Good to hear from you, Juan. 
Yes, hey, John. Hey, everybody. How are you guys doing? It's like I'm listening to Barry White. Goodness. <laughs> oh, hey. Throw me some. I'm going to look at some of his lyrics. I'll read them to you. <laughs> <laughs> don't uh, don't tempt me. We'll uh, we'll get some Barry White going. Well, this is a Dos Acero podcast. As you can see on the field, they're uh, squeegeeing off the field. The game will probably be ready, I'm going to guess, in the next uh, half hour, 45 minutes, because they're going to have to let the players warm up and everything else. And it looks like it's going to take them quite a while to get this uh, field in, uh, <clears throat> in plain shape. I will say this about this field. This is one of the few stadiums they've used in Copa America Centenario that had a natural grass playing surface. If this would have happened on any of those fields that uh, the sod had just been laid down, they, they would have had to have canceled the game. There was no way they would have been able to play the game because the field would have just been in terrible, terrible shape. So the organizers got very lucky that this is happening in Chicago, one of the few fields that actually has a natural grass surface. Well, gentlemen, we'll uh, get right to it. Uh, over the past uh, two, three days, the uh, Los Gigantes de CONCACAF have been humbled, to say the least. We had uh, a 7-0 whipping of Mexico by Chile, which uh, was sadly not as close as the score would make you think it was. It could have been a lot worse. <clears throat> and then last night, Argentina just uh, took down the U.S. from the from the very with like the second minute and just gave the U.S. no hope of even getting into the game. A lot of that, I think, had to do with the U.S., but they ended up uh, losing to Argentina 4-0. Argentina's in the final. It's looking like Chile is going to join them, which was a rematch of the final they had last summer in, uh, in Santiago de Chile. And uh, probably... The to, to be honest, the teams that have, have probably played the best in this tournament, despite the fact that Argentina already beat Chile, a game that I actually uh, covered down in Santa Clara, or worked, I should say, not covered, uh, when the tournament first started. But my first question, and I want to open it up to, all, to the entire panel, is what was worse, playing a game under-motivated and not having it go your way and capitulating and quitting, or not even showing up altogether. What's worse? They they sound the same. So you think <laughs> they're exactly the same? Because because that, that's exactly what happened to the Concacaf teams. Mexico played, things didn't go their way. The third goal goes in, they fold their tents, and the U.S. folded their tents right after the national anthem. So. Uh, I think a lot of U.S. fans were relieved, and and uh, and, I, and speaking to them, that the score wasn't worse because I think that Argentina could have hung, they could have hung a ten spot on them easily. John, if they, they, they did yes, play sir. with three players less. I mean, not less, but three, three of their three of their starters. That's not an excuse. Three of their starters were missing. There's I do think it is for if you're a team like of the U.S. caliber, you're going, no against, you're going against Argentina. It makes a big difference. No, it does not make a difference. Because... It does make a difference, Fernando. And the reason it makes a difference, Fernando, is that the U.S., like Mexico, has a very decent first team. It's the set. It's you know that's one thing that Juan Carlos Osorio even said. He said, you know, one through eleven, I have great guys. It's it's number seventeen and eighteen. That's where we really need to improve. And 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 the reality is he's right. And I think that at least Mexico, I think, has a little bit more depth than the U.S. But the U.S., uh, the guys that they trotted out were no match. I mean. Uh, my, my I, ironically, I don't think Fern realizes 
He's giving the U.S. more credit. No, no, I'm actually saying that, you know, you Mexico are, had less starters, and they're still, you know. I'm not, I'm not comparing. I'm saying for for the U.S. to be without those three players, especially I would say Jeremy, it, it makes a big difference for them. Well, It does. <laughs> I personally don't think it would have made that much of a difference. Uh, Fernando, do you do you agree or disagree? Well, that's what I was trying to get at, that, you know, having Jermaine Jones on the field or not, they were still going to get, you know, violated where the sun doesn't shine. So it, it was well, going to happen. That is some pretty uh, pretty rough talk. Fernando. Oh, by the way, we should send out a uh, warm wishes and get betters to uh, uh, one of the possible new members of the Siete Cero podcast. Of course, we're talking about Johnny Rico, who joined us a Saturday night. After the uh, in the special edition of this podcast, who has uh, did he have a? I guess he had a peritonitis. It's been burst. It's a peritonitis, which is a serious, serious issue. And uh, he's uh, in the hospital. We're hopefully uh, recovering from his emergency surgery. Johnny, I know you're listening. Thank you so much for joining us, and we uh, look forward to getting you back so that you can join our uh, our esteemed panels. And we'll play this for Johnny. This is for Johnny. América, no te detengas, tú serás el campeón. So we get better, Johnny Rico. You just need the chant after that after that sound clip. <laughs> the chant. Well, here. Uh, I don't want. I don't want to throw the bounce off. So just to make sure. Somos leyenda del fútbol mexicano. All right, that's enough of that. All right. So we were saying that the uh, that the depth of the U.S. is is really cost them, or do we think that it would have been? And Fernando thinks that it would have been uh, a bloodletting, regardless of who was playing. Which, you know, frankly, it was probably right. Now, is that more of an indictment on the players? Or the fact that Argentina is just that much better than everybody else, or the fact that uh, that in the what is it now five years is it five years or six, I guess four years that that Jurgen has been in charge of the national team, the the U.S. national team really just hasn't shown any kind of Messi. Impression. Messi, Messi is the reason why they went, like if you look at the match Argentina versus Panama, they were barely holding on to that one zero. Messi comes in, changes the whole game. So Messi is just the just a player that's out of this world. You know, it's very interesting that you mentioned that, Fernando, because I remember the Copa America that they actually had in Argentina, where I think that the pressure on Messi and the team was was you know probably the most they've they've ever faced because those guys just don't play in Argentina. You know, they're all you know most of them play and and, and earn their living in Europe, and you know they ended up being eliminated, and I think it was in the quarterfinal by uh, Uruguay. Yeah. And and the strategy for that entire tournament, I mean, for no uh, fault of their own, but nothing was working. So their strategy, and if you guys remember, was just give it to Messi and let's see what he can do. I mean, they would literally pass it to him, you know, 40 yards away, and he would, you know, practically walk it in, shoot, and hit the post, or you know, just wasn't able to score. And it was just it was crazy that that that's what they were doing, and it was crazy that it almost worked. But it seems like Messi. Uh, now that he's back, he, like th- this is such a. I'm not gonna say it's a no pressure tournament, but I think it's a low pressure tournament for for the South American teams, and it's one of the reasons why they're playing so well, especially the ones that took it seriously. And what I've noticed is is that Messi is 
looks like he's enjoying himself more as the as a true ten, you know, the playmaker, not 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 the guy who's expected to do all the scoring, but the guy who yeah he'll score occasionally, but the guy who's who's setting everybody up and the way he's setting people up, I mean, it really is just absolutely tremendous. He's gonna he he's he's gonna have you know add like two or three more years to his career, and you know he'll end up probably being like the greatest contención in history. Uh, at the rate he's at the rate he's going, you know, he's like like going further and further back. I mean, it really is has been a virtuoso performance uh, for Lionel Messi in this tournament, starting when when he came in against Panama and scored a hat trick in what was it, 15 minutes? I mean, just uh, absolutely incredible. I think the were this should be a privilege for all of us that we really are watching a true master at work, and it's something that should be enjoyed. I, I kicked myself for not going to Houston yesterday to catch him live. Just uh, not sure why I didn't do it. I was hoping to see them on uh, you know, Saturday, but I knew it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that, that was going to happen. Joel, do you think that Messi is the... I mean, when we compare him to... Uh, you know, everyone always wants to compare him to Ronaldo, but I mean, is, is there any doubt that right now and for the past few years that he is unquestionably the greatest player on the planet? To me, to me he has been. I just, just speaking on... Uh, you know, football-wise, because uh, Cristiano is very, you know, he's very athletic. He looks like a dude that could have uh, excelled in other sports. And then Messi just is just pure, pure football. I don't think you can compare the two. I think they play different. They have different styles. Cristiano's better at a lot of things than Messi is, and Messi's better at different stuff. That Certainly not free kicks. Uh, well, the, the, that's different. I think Cristiano has better power and yeah, but but if you see the if you see the percentage of like he, he does every free kick for Real Madrid and he scores like almost none. Now imagine if you got both on the same team. I don't think they probably would happen, work. man. My Pumas, my Pumas are looking into it. <laughs> that dude would be header for goals to uh, Cristiano. It'd be crazy. <laughs> you know, you know. Speaking of Messi, though, I think this this cup means so much to him because he he's, he's been under so much pressure to win something with the senior national team, and he's he's come very close. So I, I think this is like he's going all out to to be able to give something to the national team. Now, now, Juan, as a as a professional warper of minds and developer of talent. Uh, I know it's very easy for you know, especially for the young kids, that they want to emulate certain players uh, with with how they perform on the pitch. One thing that I've always just just impressed me about Messi is, yes, they're going to foul him, and no, he doesn't he doesn't uh, he doesn't uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not accentuate, but uh, you know, make the foul worse than it is. He just gets up, whereas you know, Cristiano Ronaldo is more of a you know, he, he he plays the refs a little more. Is it easy for you to to to, to show players, say, man, this guy's the best in the world, and look how hard he works, and look how serious he takes it? You know, if you if, if you want to get to you know any kind of decent level, if you're going to emulate a guy, emulate this guy. Is is, is it easy to say that for a player like Messi? Oh, I thought you were going to say Cristiano. <laughs> no, um, I think Cristiano's a prima donna on the, on the field, personally, but that's I, just me. This hands down, Messi is the best one between the two. Like, he, oh. the Go ahead, Juan. I don't know, 
Messi to me seems like a guy he just he got a you know he had a marble he he would have been a master you know what's that called caniquero or whatever you want to call it <laughs> and you know he found a soccer ball he absolutely loved it and and on the pitch he's just I think he's just a natural obviously I mean he still worked hard but I just think for him it just comes a little easy more easy um, to just be where he's at and he's just simply a, you know, when he looked at a piano. You know, he just produced genius. Now, Albert, you mentioned something um, last week when Argentina played Bolivia, and, and and I think we're getting to see Messi at, at a certain level, like like Pelé, where where even his misses or his plays that don't count are are almost as celebrated because that what he did to that Bolivian goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> it still, it still yeah. makes me laugh. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He, he he's got he's just got that skill with the ball. He 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 keeps it close. He's a low center of gravity because he's short, and he's just got awesome skill. Even with speed, even when he's running full speed, he has it. He keeps it close. He can move it in any direction real quick. And uh, yeah, that's just uh, he's the greatest. I would say dribbler. Well, what he did with um. With Bragusan yesterday, it's basically the same thing that he did to that Bolivia player, I mean, goalie. Like, you know, the go- the Grusan was to his uh, left of the of the goalpost, and he had the wall was to the to the right. And the angle that, you know, Messi had was, you know, obviously to shoot over the wall to the right side, but he shot it straight to where Bragusan was at and put it where he couldn't reach it. That's his ultimate slap in the face. Telling yeah, you know but what? understand, and I'm, believe me, I'm not – Trying to give uh, Brad Guzan credit here, but Messi's shot went over like his left of the wall, all the way over to the right to right corner. I mean, it was it was just an absolutely incredible shot. It was Didn't incredible. he try to cheat though? Didn't Guzan try to cheat? Sort of. Well, he, he did take one step. You know, he got caught leaning, but still, I mean, it was just it was just an incredible shot. It was an incredible yeah, that shot. Placement was awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, that... he hit the, you know, the, the the just inside the corner. I mean, you can't get any better than that. That's just absolutely terrific. That was all, all this messy talk, though. I gotta. I mean, I gotta. I know he's a prima donna and everything. I gotta give credit to Cristiano, even, even during his play. Even though he, I think Portugal got eliminated, he's got to be given a lot of credit. Yep. Even when he, he celebrates he, himself and does all this stuff. He's still a great. He's like a threat. If you just pass the ball anywhere near him, he's gonna be a threat. That back heel pass or goal that he scored today, just awesome. No, it was, it was because of him that uh, that they were able to to press on, and uh, it was yeah, it was absolutely no. And there's no don't get me wrong. There's no question that that, that Cristiano Ronaldo is extremely talented. <laughs> Excuse His me. Personality is messed up and stuff, but yeah, that's a yeah. totally different issue. <laughs> right, but yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, to me, to me the, the biggest difference between the two is that Cristiano uh, has kind of an adversarial relationship on the pitch, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just just he's a very competitive guy. I get it. But Lionel is—he's like a quiet assassin. He just—he just he just, uh, just goes about his business. You know, he never complains. You know, if he complains, he's not going to do it uh, very openly or dramatically. He's just—you know—he might, you know, say something to the ref as he's walking by. It's just—you uh, know—and then when he gets fouled. He never has to dive. He never has to embellish. He just gets up. You know, a lot of pokes uh, back in the '60s when uh, Jim was in the NFL. That, that that's what they, they said. They just to drive him the the his opponents crazy. Is that they were just trying to just destroy him. You know, just knock the crud out of him. And Jim Brown would just get up, 
and walk to the huddle like it was nothing, and it just would drive him. You know, and he knew it. It would just absolutely drive him. It would drive him crazy. And that's what Leonard Messi does. Is like, you can knock me down however you want, but you know, I'm going to get up and I'm going to take a free kick and I'm going to score. And I do happen to, uh, to find it very interesting that it was. I think it was Brad Wondolowski that fouled him, got a yellow card for the uh, for the free kick, and then he scored on the free kick to make it 2-0. Yeah, that clothesline. It was. Now, were you guys surprised? I was very surprised, and maybe uh, you know some of you folks that may watch the U.S. more than I do can 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 talk to this. But I have. It's been a long time. This 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 reminds me of the U.S. team that played in the 1990 World Cup. They were completely, you know, they were just there. They they like tourists practically. And this U.S. team, for whatever reason, they just they just. Whatever they, whatever game plan they had, it, it failed miserably, and then they never made any adjustments. I just, I, I, I just didn't, I couldn't come to terms with that. And they, they didn't even, I mean, the, the, the goalie could have gone to Galveston and come back by the time the game was over, and they still would have won four nothing. I mean, they just, they, they had no offense at all. It was, it was. Uh, there were shots, right? Very depressing. I, for, for I didn't even know Dempsey was playing. <laughs> Pardon me. You could hardly tell Dempsey was even on the pitch. Well, I mean, you could hardly tell anybody was on the pitch. You know, was, uh, I, they couldn't even string like two, three passes together. There was there was a sequence where they tried to play out of pressure from the back, and all they basically did was give assists to. I, I don't remember who ended up scoring that goal, but they, I think just technically, this is probably one of their worst teams ever. You know, if you look at it, even those teams like with uh, Balboa and uh, uh, Tab Ramos and Claudio Reina and those guys, they were just technically help, better help, teams. I'm being repressed. Oops, sorry, wrong button. <laughs> uh, no, you're, abs- I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, it just they had no. Uh, I mean, they, they showed nothing. I mean, from the, from the very beginning, they just, they just, I mean, they had, which is so unlike a U.S. team, because I mean, quite honestly, and. Uh, and Joel and I talked about this, maybe if we were, I can't remember if we were uh, live or not, but I was, with where the Mexico loss and the way that the, the whole yin and yang thing works, I was fully expecting and and, and, and gave a real strong possibility that the U.S. was going to win that game. We win, you know, a game like they always do, one nothing, uh, you know, uh, just hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, and get them, get them on, a, on a set piece. But like Juan said, they couldn't string three passes together. And then when they finally did string three passes together, I mean, the the, the last the last touch was so wild, that like like kicking it out of bounds or just kicking it right straight to a guy from Argentina that it was just. I mean, it had to have been disheartening for for a U.S. fan. It's, and I, I'm not I'm not believe me, I'm not trying to make fun of the make make fun of the fact. I just I just think that that you know watching the U.S. since like we said since 1990 on. I mean, for for 25 years. I mean, they just—I personally have never seen them play like that. I thought that there was—they they looked like they were a, a small Concacaf team playing against a Conmebol team, and it was very. Um, and they were so lucky, though, that I think there was like two injuries, and then the the Lavesi injury happened like right in a row, and it just sort of slowed the whole game. And they they subbed those guys off, and I was like, okay, this game's pretty much going to be slowed down. I think. Oh. Our, you know, scored a goal afterwards, but they they were so lucky that that happened because it probably could have went to seven zero or something. Yeah, because they would have brought Kun Agüero in to to give him some fogueo, and 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, was, <laughs> that, that that could that should have happened because I, it's sort of upsetting, and I think on Twitter we're talking about it that Jurgen Klinsmann was, you know, he was finally getting some heat, and it was like, okay, the U.S. soccer is finally catching up with the world, and then they go in and they get to the to the um, quarterfinals and do well. And then he's still he's still he he loses four zero, but he's still like oh happy. I mean, not happy, but laughing at the press conference and all this. Like you know, he, his job is still secure. It wasn't before, but now that he got to semifinals, he's it's secure. So that it's and, but it's it's weird that that happens. And only this one dude on I think his show is called The Herd was ripping into Klinsman and everything and saying why isn't the press uh, criticizing and more critical of him and everything, but. Well, that's something that we've talked about for years. Is is that they just they're not critical at all, and then just they never have been. And then the one you time know, they write a negative article about it, they wear it like a badge of honor. They, I, I saw a lot of criticism towards Klinsman about that game, about his lineup. But you know, like you brought it up earlier, John, that uh, you know maybe if, if they would have had those three other starters, but I think just simply they're not in the same class as Argentina and. You know, they could have swapped out all their players, and it wouldn't have mattered at all. Well, there, there's no question that even when Mexico plays a team like Argentina, I mean, they have to have their best guys, and they have to play, and each one of those guys has to be at his at his best to even, let's be honest, to even be on the field with them. You know, as I say, playing al tu por tu, yeah, yeah it's, it's going to happen. But, I mean, the only the only way that Mexico can can stay in those games is, is if they have to be – you know, 100% concentrated on what they're doing. Because if they lose their concentration or lose their focus when they play against a team like that, we've seen what happens. It can get very ugly very quickly, which is what we saw this past weekend. So uh, I guess I guess that's the part that surprised me most is, is that, you know, the, the U.S. and Mexico too, both of them, you know, when they play against teams like this, I mean, we talk about it all the time, how, how Mexico plays up to an opponent, the U.S. plays up to an opponent at a certain level. It uh, it's something that they that that they in their past in their history have done, and for neither of them to do it in in, in, in what in what was essentially home games for both teams, Mexico playing in California and the U.S. playing in Houston, to to just lay an egg like that it was just it's just it's just horrific and frankly it makes us all look bad, uh, and uh, I think it's going to be. I think that both both federations are going to have to take a long look and see, you know, what they're doing and when what what they can do to, you know, may, maybe they can start thinking a little bit more long term instead of these short term goals that they set for themselves. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Now, do we uh, do we need to dig in more into the? Do we need to start picking some scabs, or or you boys want to move on to a different topic, Juan? We never got your coach's perspective of, of uh, what happened Saturday night. You know, you know, John, I I felt like just stunned. That it was, I guess that's the word that would describe it. Uh, Saturday's game, you know, and I mean, there's a lot of criticism weighed at uh, at Osorio, which I think is valid. But I think when you, at the end of the day, when you look at the game, is uh. And it's come out in recent days. Uh, the players, they just simply gave up. And it's disheartening is probably the word. Because uh, that's the last thing you want to see as a fan. That's probably one of the last things you want to see. Like, you know, you want you guys to be warriors to give their 
give their heart out, you know. So what? And I think in that respect, the the U.S. national team can probably be uh, praised because even though they were outclassed, at least they, you know, they showed some heart, showed some grit. But I don't think they did, Juan. I think that that's the issue. Is that I don't think they showed a heart or grit. I think that I think that from the, the the minute the ref blew the whistle to start the game, I mean, I think the U.S. knew they were going to get their ass kicked, and and they and they played. They they, they they played like they didn't want to lose. They didn't want to lose seven zero. Zero shots it's, on it's goal. The way that I thought. I mean, zero shots. Zero shots. Zero shots. Not, not even on goal. Zero shots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're right in that respect where they they were just playing to not get killed. Exactly. Which is which is so unlike. I mean, that is so unlike. But usually they're good at that. They're good at. I, I thought. I under I mean I thought their bunker and their defense would be a lot better than what it was. Um I, I didn't expect their offense to be good at all, but their defense was wasn't as good as what it should yeah, have been. I thought good. it should have been. Well the thing was is that there was no it, it seemed like whatever whatever tactics they had, it seemed like it was all <laughs> like like half half baked. You know, were they gonna press? Yeah, a couple of guys were pressing, but then the rest of the team wasn't. I mean I I saw I saw uh, plays where Argentina would pass it back to the goalie, which, by the way, for the U.S. I think was was the pass that they completed the most was was the pass back to the keeper. It seemed like they did it like a hundred times. But uh, so well, what did what did, what do you think, Juan? About I think they were talking about uh, Osorio pushing up the the back line is what messed them up a lot. Uh, I don't. You know, I talked to. I talked to my, you know, one of my fellow coaches or profs or whatever you want to call it, uh, and he he pointed some something out to me that a lot of times, and I actually look at, I I watched part of a replay or replays of the goals. If you notice, most of the time, most of the goals that were scored, you ended up with the back line uh, being one versus one, and even you know, Soria has talked about he always likes to keep a one man advantage, and I think. Uh, that was probably the biggest breakdown uh, defensively, where you would have uh, uh, the Chileno, you know, attacking mids just crash the box, and and you you would not have any center mids uh, following mid to mark them up. Um, you know, I don't think these guys are used to doing that, or you know, even if you tell, I mean, even if you tell a player, hey, correct this, like a lot of times it, it will take them, it will take them a couple games to figure that out, and I think these guys they just they just simply were not ready for. For that type of game, where they, they where the the opposing team is so so dynamic, there's this Marquez, you know, the just a system of play that they use is uh, unpredictable. Well, it's it, what seems to me, Juan, and you know, again, I'm not a coach; I'm just an observer. That you know, you know, Chile likes like like every team they like to like you know to pass it around the top of the box, you know, inside the midfield stripe if things aren't working. What I've noticed about them, though, is that they they like to, <clears throat> excuse me, have that same umbrella of passing, but they like to do it forward too. So it's, it's it's like a circle to them, the way that they pass. And I've, frankly, I don't know how many teams can pull. I know that they have a lot of really talented players, but I don't know how many teams can pull that off because they just replayed all the goals on uh, on Univision, all seven of them. Thank you, Univision, for for that. But it, it seemed like a, a vast majority of the goals were scored because it would start from one wing and then it would just keep passing, 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 passing until they got to the other guy and the other guy would just, you know, easily knock it in. Is uh, not all the goals, but it seemed like a, a vast majority of their goals were scored that way. That, that has to be 
I would think uh, a very effective if you can do it way to attack your team, which obviously was very effective for Chile Saturday night. Now, Joel, you talked about how you can't really, or, or you've, you've, you've separated yourself so much from it that you can't really enjoy the win. But do, 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 you, do, you, do you still feel the losses as bad, or have you emotionally disconnected yourself from that? Well, it didn't affect me, John. It didn't? No. I, not as much as I thought it would. 7-0 is pretty, it's pretty rough, man. Now, Fernando, did you did you have a little cry when you were, were driving back down to Phoenix? Just a, maybe just a little one, <laughs> maybe a little sniffle. I was driving by myself, yeah. so you know you know that saying where if somebody falls and there's nobody there to hear it, it never happens. Yeah. Was there was there was there a, a bug in, in in both your eyes? Was your both your eyes irritated for like 15 seconds? Um, probably yeah. Yeah. There, he had mocos coming out too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the muckles dripping out. Now, now, Juan, you're you're down in Mexico. You're in Pachuca. What was the mood of the of, of the press and the fans and everybody down there? I mean, what did the what did the Pachuca folks said about it? Yeah, you know, I I did talk to give me one. Uh, I did talk to some some fans, but their criticism. I don't think they're 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 they actually watched the game because one of the criticisms was he played a uh, Torres Nilo in center mid. And so that was a clue to me that these guys didn't watch the game, and they're just they just simply they were not happy with uh, with Osorio simply because he lost. Uh, some of, some of the profits I talked to, they just said, "Hey, they just gotta lick their wounds and you know work on their mistakes and you know keep keep working to improve the team." Now, one thing that did <clears throat> that did surprise me, and I know that for whatever reason Osorio kind of you know felt the pressure to to start like his quote unquote best eleven. But wasn't that game better better suited for a for a, for a Torres Nilo type or an Israel Jimenez like like a defensive a proper defensive wing back instead of you know the lone wolf Layun that likes to you know attack a lot more than he defends. I mean it seems like like Torres Nilo was the play there and and you know if you're going to play Layun play him the other side or it just seemed like they. Uh, there is even the idea of, of of Rafa being a better option because he can distribute, he can take control of the back line, of the passing, because they were pressing and they were messing everybody up, man. They were they were causing all kinds of havoc on that on their press. And he might have been able to alleviate that a little bit with even the long passing that he does. Or yeah, like a maybe like a Rafa Diego Reyes midfield. And they, like either one of them could go back and, and help the defense. Yeah, it just seemed like it seemed like Osorio's, uh, you know, in retrospect, his lineup was was way too offensive. Too like Juan uh, said, though, it's it's a good learning. There's a lot of things to learn, though. <laughs> Wait, right there, uh, right there, Chiquis. I've been hearing that a lot. Let's hope he learned. And uh, do you think he, he will learn? He was, well, that's the thing. That's why he has to go. He wasn't brought here to learn. He was brought here to to execute. To, you know, yeah. Yeah, we didn't bring him here so he could learn how to, you know, from those mistakes. He he, he came in to, because he had a system they thought was going to work. And this was the main, you know, the main event to showcase, you know, what he brought to the table and how it was going to impact how, how the 
how the team was going to improve, and, and it never did. If, if we see from the Chile game, the Chile friendly, and if we look at other games uh, from the group, it was they kept doing the same mistakes. Chile did that stuff last year, though. Chile same. was dangerous last year in the Copa America. No, they but I'm saying, I'm saying Mexico. We, we, let's, let's not, let's not hey, focus on other teams. Boy. Just, just Mexico. So if think- we look at like, like, like the mistakes there that would, that led to goals, uh, turnovers, all of that. Even against Jamaica, where we shouldn't have, with the team we have, we shouldn't have struggled so okay, much as we did. Looks, and looks and, like Twitter, Twitter confirmed and, that there'll be a, uh, and, a press conference tomorrow at, at las instalaciones de la FMF. Uh oh. Yeah, they're gonna announce that he's staying. Yeah, but but like so so I'm going. He never is like he, he never figured it out. Hey, that's kind like, of. Uh, it, it was clear to see he was mess. The team was messing up. And he, ne- it's like he just kept going with with rotaciones and changing lineups, and he never. And and by the time we get to Chile, that's pretty much where he failed to correct. It came back and it and it affected the team. Hey, I almost hey, agree with you. Hey Jolie, do you, do you guys well? And this goes for the rest of you. Do you remember that video uh, with Osorio and uh, Ch- Chelis, where Osorio schooling uh, Chelis? about what would you do if I press you here and then I press you yeah, here. Yeah, I do. I, I saw it. Now, if, if you look at back at this game, were the players able to execute Osorio's game plan uh, the way he described in that interaction with Chelis? Because from my memory, I don't remember them being able to do any of the things that he pointed out in that in that uh, clip. Yeah, see, you're, you're correct. And, and that's the other point I wanted to make because we have a – we have a team that this is this is a team that has been together for a long time now. Uh, a lot of the players are going into their fourth World Cup, and uh, and then the rest to their third World Cup. So I mean, you don't really have to reinvent a style or try to bring something new to a team that's already pretty capable. You just have to find you just have to find which how they perform better. And and it's I, I gotta point out to something John said. When uh, when uh, Tuca was with the team before they played the U.S., when he asked the players, you know, what system they wanted or or what position they felt better playing. Guy, that's a carajo. Jolie, that's a that's a federation's fault though. They they brought him in. They knew the way he works. I mean, there there's a body yeah. of work you can look at. No, and... you're, you're completely right because they they probably felt. No, remember, I think. Uh, I think well, the. Go ahead. Yeah. <clears throat> what I was gonna say is, I don't think the players were able to execute their uh, his game plan because they they ended up trying to to touch around the press and they ended up turning the ball over, you know, every time. So, I I think to me it's just the players, they're not used to the what he expects of them. He's they're not used to executing his game plan <laughs> per se. You know, and we can't stress this enough. And the fact that that, that you know Juan Juan didn't fire Piojo so they could bring in Juan Carlos Osorio. Juan Carlos Osorio was just the next guy on the list because the guys ahead of him said no. So we we, we can't stress. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's not a good coach or he's not a capable coach. I think he's a very capable coach. You know, like like uh, everyone says here, how he, we hope that he learned because whether we like it or not, he's going to be the coach at least for the next few games, depending on how they do. And uh, 
but again, you, you know, he was brought in because everyone else said no. So he was not necessarily their first choice. But he was one of the few guys that actually won, you know, that actually wanted the gig. And uh, I guess there, there is something to be said about that. And, you know, let's face it, you know, if he, you know, he's, uh, you know, one thing that he has in his favor is, is that I do think that he's a guy that learns from his successes and his mistakes. So he's going to, he's going to get a chance to prove himself. And was he, wanted, was he wanting to put crema on los tacos? He boost his boost his uh his uh his street cred on the field and maybe use Mexico as a jumping point to something greater. <laughs> All this I think that, that is yeah. uh, certainly his goal. I'll tell you what, he's got his work cut out for him now if that's what he wants to do. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily a negative because if if he wants to let's say end up coaching Real Madrid one day, then he needs to deliver with Mexico somehow, you know. Just but, like uh, uh, Hugo Sanchez, right? That was a stated goal to land Real Madrid gig. He needs to beat U.S. and Columbus. That's my expectation now. No, no. Hugo was to win the World Cup. He, he said it. He actually believes that. And uh, he was ridiculed when he said it. That's his elevated. And then when, when Piojo said it, he was praised. Yeah, exactly. And the, and the same people that are praising Piojo now don't want him back. So that... That kind of shows you where and Mexican you people that are. wanted Piojo fired want him back. <laughs> hey, hey, check this out. You you guys mentioned this in the Twitter. Uh, I think it was Jolie, the one that brought it up. Maybe that uh, Vergara was uh, was being the voice of reasoning and and uh, saying, "Hey, it? let's stick with it." <laughs> it was Pichichi. He was saying uh, that he called in a radio show. Saying, hey, we need to stick with long, long-term projects. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> hey, Cuauhtémoc also backed up Osorio. He said, you know, you know, he's a coach, he's a profe. I, I, I work with him in Chicago, and, and I vouch for him, basically. That's what he said, which is interesting. Well, you know... Um... There's something to be said. I mean, I mean, you know, I think that you know, all of us have been conditioned to, whenever something like this happens, uh, whether it's your club team that you follow in Mexico or Mexico, or our immediate reaction, immediate, you know, almost almost Pavlovian reaction is first of all, the guy's got to go, they got to fire him. You know, you can't you can't lose like that. You got to go. It's got to go. And uh, it was interesting that the that the coaches who said, oh, you know, I would have I would have quit <laughs> if that would have happened to me had opportunities to do so and didn't do it when they were at the helm, which was, of course, Hugo Sanchez and now Ricardo Lavorte, who both said that they would quit after certain things, and then those things didn't happen, and they're like, oh, I was just kidding, you know. Kind of like the way the senator, or Senator Regino talks sometimes when... Uh, <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like how they say, like Lavorte saying, uh, if I would have lost 7-0, I would quit. Like it's some type of honorable thing. I'm gonna rid myself of you guys because I suck and I, I lost seven zero. And you Fernando, gotta, if you could refresh our memory, what was the the score of the Chiapas Monterrey game last season? <laughs> Do you remember? Uh, I think it was four zero. Was it four? I thought it was six zero. And uh, uh, La Volpe did not quit after after that game. <laughs> Well, yeah. Was, uh... He didn't quit. He should. He should continue to try his best. You don't quit. You don't give up. 
yeah. if someone fires you and kicks you out, then you then you leave. <laughs> now, you, you know, guys, yes, people just wanted the chance to uh to get the job. You know, I know Hugo Sanchez wants it. You guys were talking about uh, procesos, and I, I've been a big proponent of that. But I I feel like not not in this case. I feel you need a you need a proceso when when you're starting a cycle, which to me will be after after the World Cup after 2018, because then we will have a turnover of players. But this is a team that's already, you know, like I mentioned earlier, they've been to like two, three, four procesos. They don't really need that. But they just need a coach that that could get the best out of them. And and I go to something that La Puente said a while back, and he said um. He said he was talking about Mexican players, and he said they constantly need reassurance. So you need a, a coach that's a good motivator, and and that could, you know, at least put the players where where they could where they could play at their best, or or uh, good form good associations or good partnerships with with their teammates. That's so you don't really need, that's not really. Dude, <laughs> if he was doing if he was doing that, we would have seen it. And and in no no we've game been, in this cup, no game in this it, cup did you see it. We've been seeing no way, it dude. in his record-breaking run, you know. Okay, see for for winning Concacaf games, but in this we cup, gotta naturalize uh, Mosquera then because didn't he have a good partnership with Layuna back when they were in America? Yeah, no, in this <laughs> in this cup, no game. We I, I don't really see us. We're going. To, we have one man advantage against Uruguay, and and we have this guy who's supposed to be a good tactician. And he didn't find a way to All take right, advantage. Let's, of that. let's clear something we, up. Okay? We we took we took the lead on a Safarancho from Marquez <laughs> uh, against Jamaica. Do we got lucky? That's straight penalty kick, not given. That's a clear penalty against Venezuela. You had Tecatito channeling his inner Messi. How many how many uh, goals did we score on the run of play? There was good. You know, una buena jugada de toques. Which goal versus Venezuela? They were touching they well. They just they were finishing. Yeah, they were just they were. You know, he put that. I mean, Tecatito rescued himself because he had a few few sitters that just you know it was easier to score than to miss it. <clears throat> okay, so so Juan, you're you're Osorio. You see that the defense is very shaky. A lot of turnovers. A lot of one on ones, and you've seen that that your um your delanteros are missing in the final touch. You're going up against Chile. Do you still do what he did? Play a, a bit more of that that type that's of attacking dis- game. That's a little that's dishonest it. because that's talking about hindsight, you know. And I think Osorio put up a great lineup this whole tournament. He was undefeated even throughout, you know, the whole the the whole group stage. And you know, unfortunately, he crashed out towards the end. It was a, it was a, the end of a great run, man, where he was undefeated. He set up great partnerships with his players that were performing amazing. You know, it just happens. Un accidente de football, right? Just like my so advice to you: <laughs> start drinking heavily. <laughs> I'm yeah. just saying, you gotta clear something up. You know, Joel, <laughs> you've been, you've been like a, a hater. Of Osorio since even before Osorio had coaches first game. What? I so never you, said uh, anything negative. I said I was gonna wait. Too far. Too far. <laughs> I gotta just. <laughs> all you gotta do is go back to the previous podcast and. I and, said I was waiting until the cup to give my uh, 
opinion on him. And it, you fuck you fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, if he's, not, if he's not going to make it to Russia, why hold on to him? Exactly. Just right now, just like a band-aid, get rid of it and, and just put... What? Any, any coach, dude, you don't really need... We don't need... Uh, this, this this is the thing where I think uh, they sold us on this idea of we bring in a world-class coach. You know, be it be sold being, on that idea. Yeah. I don't think those words came out of anybody's mouth over there. No, we, it's fans. Like, we, as as fans we of the national team, we, we do have that belief that if we can bring in a world-class coach, our team is going to be that much better. But that's that's not really true. It, it won't improve that much. Why, why would improvement, he the improvement has to be like from, you know, from the ground. From why the would ground he improve? Like, because he's still, he's like, still, you're still going with the same players we have now, and and you know that we just have a talent level that's just hey, we're Joel, still below. Huh? Joel, you need some counseling. Dude. I can refer <laughs> you. I think he's gonna. I think yeah. he's gonna go through the whole Concacaf. He's gonna make the World Cup. It would be no problem. He might lose you know that, to That's. And then lose in the cuarto partido like always. Yeah. <laughs> they have negative Nancy's man. Jesus. Yes, Juan. Having your best players on the field, that doesn't necessarily always work out. And we saw that Saturday. That that lineup that Osorio put out, that's supposed to be maybe switch out uh, Araujo for, you know, switch out one or two players. But that's the team everybody's been dying to see that 4 3 3 with those, that group of players. I and know. So just, so just throwing them out, you know, out on the field like a FIFA lineup and saying, "Hey, it's gonna work itself out." That's not exactly the way it works. And if you look at Chile, they're not a team that, uh, you know, they they got a group, a bunch of players from Colo Colo and said, "All right, we want you to play this way, this type of movement, this type of possession style, this type of pressing, you know, run like mad the whole game." You know that that doesn't just happen by itself. Even if you have a a competent coach, and and I think that's kind of. Uh, Obviously, having good players that helps, and well, from it from it looks, it, Mexico has good players, so they're missing something. And so you got this new guy, new system coming in. You know, there's going to be growing pains. Well, I think that you bring up a very valid point. I think that this is one of the reasons why Argentina's had problems all these years, is that you know n- none of these teams have a base of players that know each other and are familiar with each other. And I'm not talking national team know each other. I'm talking like know each other intimately, you know, you know, play, you know, we're professionals together on one team. And I, you know, people forget that, you know, this, this Chile, remember that Colo Colo team that, that Pachuca played in the Copa Sudamericana that they ended up actually beating and then Pachuca won. That was Colo Colo. How many guys from that Colo Colo team and from that era are on this team? There's like seven or eight. I mean, that's, that's impressive. To, to be able to have that that a group of players like that from one team, that's why Chile has been, and it just so happens that they were really good. That's why Chile has been so good since you know 2000, whatever it was, is because they've had they've maintained the same spine of players, and it also helps that the players grew up together and, and, and know how each other they know they know each other so well that that uh, the other players have had. Uh, learn how the, the core group plays, and it just makes their life so much easier. I mean, I think any coach right now could walk into Chile and make them sense. Hey, because what, what they're doing is the exact opposite of what Mexico's doing. They're like, hey, man, this this team is not broken. Why the hell would I, why, what, what am I going to fix? Just let them keep playing the way they've been playing. 
and they've been just lights out. They've been terrific. You know, uh, to uh, to what Wilhoyd was saying earlier, and, and I think this is the biggest problem that Mexico has, is that every time they bring in a new coach, the new coach has his style, his, you know, what he's comfortable with. And that's going to happen. I get that. But Mexico brings coaches in so often that, you know, the players have just got to be, you know, I think that that's why Tuca was so successful because Tuca said, hey, what do you guys like to do? We want to play like this. All right, let's do it. I mean, how easy is that? You mean make decisions that make sense, John? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And he still struggled slightly against the U.S. in that game. And they're comfortable playing us. I think we're always going to, to even Argentina, when they, they'll, they'll play Uruguay when Uruguay's not doing too good, and they struggle. You know, I think that that's why I had so much respect for for what uh, Vasco Aguirre was trying to do in the, in the 2010 World Cup until he went temporarily insane there at the end. Was the, uh, his... Because I saw them uh, in Houston play Angola in one of the the uh, you know the the Molero leadups, and he played it was like a it was like a just just a, a formation that I think I even read about in the World Cup that the, like the guy that was right is like I haven't seen this a team use this since the 30s. It was just this crazy formation that he was using, and he used it throughout the entire team. It looked like a four three three, but it was like a God, it was like a, I forget what the combination was, but it, it was insane. And uh, and I think that it, what he realized, like man, you know, this is what I have to do with this team because this is this is what we got. It's uh, you know, I'm going to put him in the best position to win, and it almost worked out for him. And I think there's just a couple of personnel moves that that probably would have been handled differently. And, but anyway, but, but Mexico just doesn't have a style. You know, they just don't have a style. And and, and whatever style they do have. Is uh, is lost, and, and and that's what the next coach or the current coach needs to do is find. It. Mexico does have a style. It's called la volpismo. They, that's the the one that's gone the best out of our team. <laughs> what did we win? A gold cup? That was the best. Well, you know, we just need to bring Piojo back to so he could bring back la volpismo again. But you know, I'll, the, I'll take uh, la puentista. Yeah, the, the best Mexico has ever played in any tournament. I I, th- I think has been. Uh, the under Manolo La Puente. I don't think, I don't think there's any question. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, can, I can't say I can't agree with that. <laughs> well, I'm sure you don't, and that's fine. But but to me, the 1998 World Cup is the best tournament Mexico's ever played. At least, you know, outside of Mexico, in my in my and, personal opinion. And he followed it up with a with a, our first FIFA trophy. Right. But I mean, that team was so. They, they played so above themselves, and they just they, they knew each other really well, and it just it just fit perfectly. And his changes were terrific, and it just it was just bad luck that they lost. Hey, what what about a Cuauhtémoc head coach and Rafa assistant coach? <laughs> That'd be awesome. I think that would be fantastic. It'd be a great uh, reality show. Reality show. With you <laughs> know who else? And then uh, Matador Matador Hernandez has the. One of the assistants. Hey, why is it? And, and this is something that Ronnie. And I don't know where Ronnie is tonight. Uh, you know, we wish you well, Ronnie. Simple pleasure. But, uh, but why is it that, that Mexico and and just soccer in general doesn't have like a striker coach or a midfield coach or a you know defender coach? They just have like the head coach and then you know some assistants and that's it. Like like they do everything. I mean, it seems like 
it would make a lot more sense to, you know, if you're going to be a striker, you know, just, you know, be a striker and have a, have a form of striker, someone who understands this position really well, show you what to do. Yeah, I don't... They, they have a goalkeeper coach, but why don't you have a, you know, why doesn't Ugo become the the oh. entrenador de, de delanteros of, of the team? How great would that be? Borghetti could be the header coach. Uh, yeah. That's... I'm serious. I mean, that that was my one big regret about uh, about cutting Ugo off like that, the way they did, because I could not wait for him to get his hands on Carlos Vera and Giovanni to, to, to you know, to, to give him some, some, some tips and, and give him you know, some of the stuff that he used to do and some insight. I, just, I was like, God, you know, who better to teach these kids than that guy? You know, oh, the yeah. greatest. Kern, yeah. like, you and I are going to have some fighting words. You better watch <laughs> what you're saying. You may not be old enough because I am telling you, dude, there is no one has played the way Hugo has. And I, and it's not even close, to. No, I agree. He was I the agree. best striker on the planet for about five years, and it's not even close. Yeah, no, I agree. He was okay. he was great when he was a, a player, just yeah. not as a coach. If he, well, if Ugo that's had fine. Legs, well, what I'm saying is that if, if if he would have had the opportunity to give his insights and and how he did to a 20 year old kid who had just an unbelievable potential, hey, and well, for that not to happen, I think is a big regret. You know, Ugo can still do that. You know, he can don- donate his time. Like yeah, I'm, but it's too late, man. Those guys, that that moment has come and gone. That moment is coming. Don't make me bring up my bad cop. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that there's still we still have talent coming up the pipeline. There's Chucky, there's Tecatito. You know, they could come in and, and as a advisor role. Juan, do you, have you spoken to the uh, assistant? Did like, or, or is it just the youth team guys that, that you're talking to, Pachuca? Uh, yeah, it's just the uh, youth coaches or scouts. Damn, Scout are you, you going to start spinning some jazz, some jazz <laughs> for us? Good Lord. I'm sorry, as you were saying. <laughs> the midnight hour. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. I am your father. Under you Cero. No, no, I, hello? As Did you were saying. Of... No, you're fine, you're fine. You're back. We're waiting for your voice, man. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Juan. I, I go just, ahead, caller. Go ahead, caller. I didn't, hear, I didn't hear part of your question. I'm sorry. No, just my question is: uh, Have you have you gotten to talk to some of the senior team coaches, or are you just dealing with uh, with the youth level guys? No, the the senior team they're out in uh, they're on tour in the U.S. I think they played uh, uh, Santos yesterday last night, which oh, uh, they're, thought, they're having their pretemporada. That's right. Yeah, and it was interesting because they debuted some of their U17 players, or I don't know if that's their first game, if that's their debut. But uh, Pablo Lopez, that's the guy to look at. Uh, uh, Calero's son, he played uh, last night. Wow. But, uh, no, I, a goalkeeper? No, I think he's a striker. Or, wow. I'm not sure, actually. So it's just been the youth guys? Yeah, it's just been the youth coaches, and I've saw, and I've, you know, I've watched them work, and, you know, I haven't seen a striker specific session yet or any finishing practice. So what that's kind of, kind of interesting. Is that, like, is it like just all technical, like, like ball skill, or do, do they actually put them in situations in, in a game or both? Uh, it's let me see. I haven't seen I haven't seen any technical training. Like I've seen uh, more like the dynamic training where they're they're you know ladders coordinations and uh, 
uh, you know, specific exercises, uh, touching exercises. A lot of we call it passing and receiving. Just you know, touch the ball, then go this way, and then right. you know, a certain passing pattern, and then they switch it up, and then they go to a scrimmage. By the way, they've got this really tall goalie. He's got to be at least six four. You know, he I think he's on the U twenty. That guy's a monster, man. Uh, Have you seen him scrimmage? Yeah, I saw him goaltending. They couldn't score on him, man. That guy, you know, reminded, reminded me of uh, that Dutch guy in the in the World Cup, uh, Cruel. Right. Is the uh, would you say that that Pachuca right now has the the probably one of the strongest youth systems in the, in not just in Mexico but in the Americas? Are you, are you, have you been impressed with what you've well, seen? Well. Their facilities, their world-class facilities, man, whatever it is, is the best in Latin America. Uh, and their, their teams, their, their system just, I mean, if, if you look at one of the teams training, you'll have like easily four or five coaches just working with a, you know, a group of about 18 players. Uh, and what I've heard is their, their program is the best, the best in Mexico and one of the best in Latin America, if not the best. It blows away anything imaginable. Even in the, you know, obviously the U.S., but even in Mexico, like I think only Santos, uh, uh, their facilities are up to par, but they're just the way these guys are working is completely, you know, off the page, off anything else anybody else does in Mexico. By the way, the, the second half resumed with Chile versus Colombia. I might have to. Uh, are you saying you're going to step off? Is that what you're, are you abandoning us, Pern? No, no, I'm just gonna. Um... No, I think you're abandoning us, Senator. <laughs> you can say it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be uh, observing both. All right. Well, yeah, the game has started. It is uh, still 2-0, as you all know. Chile scored the first ten, <coughs> two goals. It was uh, eerily familiar uh, for folks that witnessed Saturday night. Now, uh, I was gonna ask you something else, Juan, about the about the facilities. Oh, I don't know what it was. So, does your do you have just just one boy, or do you have a couple of boys that are that are trying out? It's um the, the, from LA. It's the, it's only three guys came from LA. They the, it was two other boys from the from the same organization. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's it's three players total. So there's an organization in the states that I guess is a scouting organization, and they and they recommend players. Is is that is that what's happening? Yeah, they're actually uh, they're affiliated with uh, Magnitude, and those guys uh, they they're agents for Hector Herrera and uh, a few other players. Okay. And uh, so this is like a, you know like a affiliate of theirs, and uh, so they got a direct connection. Some of them worked for Pachuca as, as scouts before, so wow. at least uh, the, the the all the all the West Coast guys that end up coming there. They're usually referred by them. Now, uh, what are the uh, the statistics for for a player like that? To uh, like like how many kids are brought in for tryouts, and out of that group, how many actually get selected? Um, this 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 season thus far, they have like a fifty percent success rate, which is actually that's pretty high. Uh, with these guys, the O2s, uh, uh, they, it looks like they might have, uh, 
two of the three that came might might have a have a good chance of staying. Uh, and tomorrow's like a big day for them to show that they that they should stay. What is the uh, the background of the folks that run this this agency? Are, are they are they former uh, front office folks? Are they former players? Is it a combination of both? I mean, what what uh, what what is what has been their secret to success? They're former players. They're former players. They then they uh, they became scouts, and then uh, you know they they got into coaching, and so they've. But they're former players, definitely. They they have. Did I get disconnected? No, you're still with us. Okay. Yeah, they're they're definitely former players. They were, you know, in the very in various teams. Uh, you know, maybe they didn't get as as far as they they had hoped, and so but they found a a niche. Uh, you know, in their after retiring uh, okay. from playing. And and are they the ones that have the fifty percent success rate, or is it if uh, right they're bringing now, sixty yeah. players, then uh, I mean overall, then thirty of them are going to make the the chance to train with them. Um, they're 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 very selective, uh, like which players they will send because, well, you know they look for like kind of some character traits and right. they don't want to know, waste time, is what you're saying. Yeah, they. I mean, because there's a lot of talented players in in the U.S., but some of them like mentally or, you know, they're not. You could say they're not responsible. They're you know they look for kids that they do well in school that they. That they have a positive outlook on their future, those kind of things, uh, you know, because this is a big, uh, the big jump, you know. But I don't know what's happened to our screen, and I hope it can't be possible. But we have two Fernandos on the screen. Is that possible? Can that possibly happen? <laughs> Fernando, have you multiplied? Oh, that's scary. <laughs> Actually, there is two. I am logged in on my computer and logged in at the phone watching the TV because. My computer's not in near my TV. I see. Uh, this game is good, man. They just didn't just rob Colombia of a penalty. That game. wasn't a penalty, Pern. It was not a penalty. Oh, Jesus it was not, Christ. The guy got tripped. There's no question. But he had no chance to make make it to the ball. It's not a penalty. He had already stole it, dude. But it got kicked away, Fernando. It was, the guy just got it – was, it, was, it was in the run of play. The guy did not trip him. That's a rule. That's a rule you got to learn. Like if you are if you are fouled, if if he was tripped, if he wasn't tripped in that case, he would never have gone to the ball. So it's no penalty. Right. Well, here's the deal. In the slow motion, I know this is in you know obviously in hindsight, but the slow motion you could tell the player extended the, the after losing the ball, he extended the foot to trip him. It was intentional, dude. Yeah, but he but he kicked the ball away. I think that that was more important. No, no, no. no. But Colombia played the last. The, the Colombian player was the last. I know, but he didn't have control oh of the ball. God, yeah, the, the guy didn't have the ball. What he, he didn't have, have control of the ball. <laughs> that's how the, he that's stole how the ball. Now. He was the last one to kick it. But he didn't. But it was so obvious that the other guy beat him and went for the ball, and it just it was it was collateral damage is what happened there. It was it wasn't a foul. It was collateral damage. Chile's gonna win this game, I bet. I'm sorry, <laughs> Colombia. All right, now back to back to this. This is very interesting, Juan. Uh, now, what other what other Mexican clubs are uh, does this organization work with? Like, like say, obviously Pachuca is everyone's number one right now. But, but if they would have said, "Hey, uh, we got a chance to send one of your kids down to Jaguares," would you would you go? You know what? I'm going to pass. Or would you take it? No, they. Um, I don't think they've recommended that that organization. Yeah. Uh, but some, or, they or, work. Or, 
more they work with Santos. What if, what if it said, you know, Glue America is really interested in this kid? Then what would you say? You know, you know what they what they told me today is I would not recommend you to a place I wouldn't send my son to, and I think Glue America is that type of organization where they wouldn't want their kids at. So, America. well, what, what what's what's wrong with America? Is it? Uh... It's it's the the attention to the players, the facilities they provide, maybe the the living quarters, uh, you know, the nutrition they provide, the, the just everything, the following, the the training. It could be. It sounds to me, and you know, maybe this is just a rumor that I've heard, but I've heard that after training, the uh, America Academy kids, they make them work on like wallets and belts for like eight hours, like in a in a, in a sweatshop. Is that selling ch- selling churros? <laughs> Chicle on the streets. <laughs> hey, it must be they, they gotta you know for that walk for for Ronnie somehow. That's right. That's right. We wish we wish Ronnie the Luna well. For uh, not sure why he's not joining us tonight. He didn't uh, did not elaborate. Chile's about to score. Here we go. But anyway, simple pleasures. Oh, he went to go eat tonight. I think he went to some restaurant. Uh, yeah. Did he put on his cowbell so that the they would they would be able to find him when he got back from the meadow? <laughs> Took his lawnmower with him. That's right. That's right. Juan, so what what are what are the chances for this kid? Do you think that it's uh, you're going to get the the dedazo or do we or uh, was that hard? And speaking of which, does does this uh, does your boy understand? The opportunity that's in front of him, or is he just, or has he been real humble about it? I mean, how how has he been reacting to the whole thing? You know, that, that's a question I ask I, I ask myself because he he seems too uh, too cool about it. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if if he gets it completely or if he's just like, all right, I'm just gonna get to work and kind of hope for the best sort of deals, not get uh that way. You know, kind of be always in. Uh, was that state like a balanced uh, emotional state? I, so I if think, he's nervous, he's not showing it. Is what is is what's what you what you're seeing? Yeah, it could be. Uh, it could be could be that, or he's just a cool customer. I don't know. Has he been performing uh, well enough to? I mean, I, I mean, obviously you're proud of him, but I mean, has he met your expectations for him? Has he exceeded them? Has, has, uh, is, is he taking is he taking the chance well? I think uh, I think definitely he could do better. Uh, they they are playing him in a position he's he doesn't usually play. So I mean, he, uh, you know, I see some some mistakes there or some uh, how do you say some some traits that probably they're not optimal. Uh, but you know, tomorrow they're supposed to move him to his more natural position. So it's gonna be his like uh, his deal breaker or deal maker. What is his more natural position? He like he likes to play on the wings, kind of like a like a right, like you know, like a right mid or, or carrilero type. Uh, right. With uh, you know, ida y venida, and uh, but he's been playing the center mid, holding mid. Yeah, that that is uh, entirely different, unfortunately for him. Maybe they did it on purpose. Maybe they wanted to see how he would handle it. Yeah, you know, that's how players like like like. 
that's how you find out how a good player is really good, you know? Like Layun, he can play in any position. You know? He's also not be running up and down as much. Layun oh. was consistently poor in all the positions he played in the tournament. You know, we can talk all we want about Osorio and, and how bad it was. But I think that what's lost in the fact in in uh, Osorio's and rotaciones and all that stuff and people second guessing as they always do when a team loses. You know, one thing that's not uh, seems like it's been mentioned more than it should is the fact that there are many players that had just absolutely terrible tournaments. I don't think you can think of anybody that had. Uh, a good tournament. You know, like when I think of the the World Cup in South Africa, I think Rafa was sensational. I mean, the best tournament he ever played in uh, in in South Africa. Just a, just a terrific player. Maybe Cheech in that tournament as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Chicharito played real well. Uh, Pablo Barrera had a good tournament. You know, the guys had really Colombia, good by the way. You know, in the in the Copa América last year, you know, uh, the Guardado was terrific. Played really well. Jonathan Dos Santos, who, by the way, I thought was criminal that he didn't make this team, and I think it ended up costing him because he had no one to go to uh, in the game uh, that could handle the midfield. But anyway, um, so there was really no player from Mexico, in my opinion. Maybe you guys feel the same way, that, or maybe you don't. That Jimenez. Had a, had a decent tournament. So Jimenez. For me, Jimenez, he just, he just, I mean, he did. He didn't. He wasn't able to carry the team, but you could see he just played with so much heart. He was trying to pick up the team, and he's just he. To me, he was he's absolutely killing that uh, Chilean defense on uh, on his side, which is their left, his right, Mexico's right. You know, I, I I unfortunately don't understand why we don't use Jimenez more because he is everything you want in a, in a forward. He's tall. He can hold the ball, and he is terrific. Technically, he is ten times better on the ball than than, than Chicharito, and it's not even close. So uh, I I could see Jimenez. I think that he you're right. He uh, you know hopefully he'll get to go to the Olympics and start and just kick much ass. So that that that's what I hope for him. Hopefully it'll uh, it'll happen. Anybody else? Anybody else have anybody any players that uh, that stood out? Joel, did you notice anybody that stood out or other than Jimenez? Or do you agree with Jimenez? Do you do you think everybody sucked? I, I blame I blame the system. So you think the system is is what caused it? Yeah, he broke he broke the national team. Oh my god! They, they, they gave him a Ferrari. <laughs> he he turned it into a Bocho. Jesus Christ! So you think he he snapped the national team in two like a twig? He did, man. And and I, like you, it goes, look, I'm I'm being consistent with what I said. Especially with um, with uh, with uh, La Puente, his whole constant reassurance. No sabes nada de you need you need to you know the way you need to carry the team, and I think he he confused them, and that was the end result. What did he tell him? The ball was square. No, no, just just like what you were saying. Like it never seemed like they picked up on his on what he wanted them to do on the field. They're supporting him though. They're they're believing the hype. They're trying to. They're saying they want to learn from. Well, them. That's they what they no they say all the time, dude. They, they, have say, no they say with every coach. I don't I don't think you could find me a time where they 
Does Rafa said it though? Because Rafa seemed to seem like he was arguing with him on the sidelines. Yeah, but that's just a picture. You don't know what. Giovanni Dos Santos said that he wanted when Chepo was like telling him to play some horrible tactics in confets, and and Giovanni went out to the press and said, "I want, we wanted to attack more." He kept telling him, and he said that straight up. So now they got their chance to attack, and they they killed it, right? Well, they got killed, actually. They attacked the, the bottom of their underpants is what they attacked. <laughs> <laughs> they fertilized that field? With ferocity, yes. They, they fertilized they, the bed. Prejudice. Exactly right. Um, you know, Jolie surprises me because he's one of the guys that's been against coaching carousels. And now with Chivas and with Mexico, he's, he's forfiring the coach like after, you know, two games, three games. So... I already explained it though with uh... <laughs> No, I want I want to hear more of this Chivas this Chivas conflict. Keep going, keep going. Bob. <laughs> so you just want to hear the song. Didn't <laughs> <laughs> didn't Joel not want Almeida or Osorio in the first place? No, I don't I didn't want him, neither. I still I still don't want them. They could leave. They're usurpers. As far as I'm concerned, they're usurpers. They are. So you're saying House Baratheon has invaded, has invaded Dude. the FMF, is what you're saying. The, no, <laughs> that has been bringing trophies to you, to Chivas, man. Trophies, trophies is more than one. Um, they're more like Joffrey, where they, where he's like, he's not even, he's not even a Baratheon. So Amira is Tommen. <laughs> yeah. No, you know who Almeida is. Almeida is the the little the little lord who lives in the who lives in the Vale. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean Iguera is a Tywin Lannister? Ah man, I don't know. But... Now, see, Iguera yeah. would be uh, Lord Frey, a guy who thinks that he's more important than he is. That could be Vergara too. Want to know what my crazy prediction is going to be for? Uh, Game of Thrones, you know, they have that little teaser where the Lannisters or Jamie's at House Frey in the banquet. I'm 100% certain that Jamie is going to kill all the Freys. What is Game of Thrones? Wipe them out. Oh, another Red Wedding type? Yep. In the reverse. Stable. The reverse, exactly. Hey, you, know, you know, I heard uh, the Mexico game against Chile, it was called La Roja Wedding. La Boda Roja? La Boda Roja, yeah. It was interesting. Actually, I, I really because I call I I told that to Martin that that, that this this should be the La Boda Roja. How interesting! Well, I mean it's and then because today's game was supposed to be the La La La, La Boda Roja Parte Dos. Uh, I saw it on Twitter somewhere, but you should have uh, copyrighted that phrase, John. Before damn it, uh, damn it! You're right. I should have. <laughs> You know, I, I want Jolie to tell us how what, what he did exactly for to have I, the Igera, the official Igera account, uh, Twitter account, block him. I would just every time he would tweet something, I would just contradict him, and then uh, there might have been a few bad words here and there. Yeah, and then one day he just, I couldn't go in there anymore. 
Oh, that hurts. That hurts, John. That's. I well, I have, I have high hopes for Chivas. It's the only way Mexico's ever going to maintain any kind of consistency. It's the only. I had, way. you know, I had a similar feeling, but but just seeing how the organization is run, I've lost all hope. What are you talking well, about? I'm not man? saying it's going to happen a, within a the next couple of years. What we're talking so, about, Fernando, is with this new rule, the chances are pretty high that the. Uh, you know, if there's going to be a base of, you know, any team, it, it's going to be, let's face it, it's going to be filled with uh, with foreigners. So Chivas, being who they are, that don't do that, you know, have the opportunity to show or to have the base of team of, of Mexicans. And if they get good ones, then it can be the base of the national team because, frankly, they're probably going to be the only Mexicans that are playing. That's what we're talking about. You know, that could still happen with, uh, remember, uh, with Bielsa working with Atlas in the... And, you the know, I find, it, I find it offensive that you guys say that, that, oh, no, Mexicans are going to play in the Mexican League. Because that's, that's insinuating that we don't have any good enough Mexicans to fight for a spot. That's not what we're saying at all. We, we know we have, there's plenty of good Mexicans. What I'm saying is that they're not going to play them. Yeah, they will. Look at what's his name, Cesar Montes from Monterrey. That's he one example, Fernando, out of 18 teams. Now, I understand what you're saying, and I, and I do think that there's going to be, you know, if, you know, the, the Mexicans that do play are going to be, oof, are going to be very, very good. There's no question. But, again, what we've noticed of these great teams is that they have – and their 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 spine is made up of players from the same team. And the only team right now in in in, in the Liga MX that's going to be able to do that on a consistent basis or will be is Chivas just because of their personnel policies. I don't know. I, hey, I, doesn't that mean though that the 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 base of the national team they will be playing uh, uh, against the best possible competition? So. It's like if you sharpen a knife, you know, if you keep sharpening it more and more, iron it's going to be... Iron sharpens iron, right. So in a way, obviously, maybe short term, you might see, you know, some of the, what's that called, outliers uh, dropping out. But in the long term, you know, it could benefit the national team. Yeah, I mean, it'll benefit the national team eventually. Yeah, there's there's no question, which is why, again, you know. But, uh, but, but Joel, unfortunately... Uh, doesn't think that this particular regime will be able to do it. Not, and he's, not, he with, right. not, not with Vergara at the helm. Well, is, that, he has to. I mean, the, 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 he's not going to be there forever, and, and, and things will change. I, so. I hope that's true, John, but it's, it's disappointing, really. Like, like as Chiva fans, we we talk about the history, but but we go way back, and, and it's, it's kind of like, like when you read about Jesus in the Bible. You go from when he's a little kid, and then you skip forward till he's 30 years old. It's kind of chivas. You talk about campeonismo, and then you skip all those 30, 40 years of fracasos, and you jump to right now. Huh? Yeah, Andes. Was that Tomas Boy? No, so so that's kind of like what what it is, and and. Uh, what what we what we don't see is how it, it's kind of like sad, really. Like like 
Because well, the families yes. that, that inherited the team. Can, can we talk left? scenarios? Okay. Now, it's pretty obvious that there's uh, some sort of relationship between Chivas and Slim. Oh, yes. yes. I don't, think, I, don't think, I don't think that there's any secret to what's going on. I think We're being a, guinea pigs, John. Yes. They, ex- they well, but both sold of them. out to, to Grupo Pachuca. You know, they, they gave us players. Uh, pretty much Chivas Esmeraldas right now. We, they gave us uh, the, Leon, the Leon midfield to help strengthen the team. And uh, they're, they're going to see how it goes. Did Gallito I, cry in his press conference? Nah, dude. He's, Gallito's pretty boss. Well, anyway, my, my point is, it's, it's not just that. I, I think that what could happen, Fernando, uh, Joel, is that Slim buys Chivas and then uses the, the model that we've seen in Pachuca and then, and then brings it to Chivas, and then they start their own academy, etc. And then they do, you know, they, they've. There's no reason why Chivas shouldn't have world class facilities like Pachuca. I know why they don't, but you know, they, they, it is a team that has the, the, you know, the cachet that can pull it off. You know, John, I was hoping for that, but recently, um, recently Vergara acquired 100% of the club. From uh, he he got. He managed to get the other percentage from Angelica. Everybody has a price. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, he's still broke, so. Exactly. So that's that. He might have to cash out sooner or later. So, so you're saying that until that happens. Until yes. That no. Happens, then. Yeah, because see, we we. Screwed. I think we're they're bound to mess it up right now. I don't know, Just man. Go. Chivas seems a title contender by the team that Higuera is building. Yeah, end this. I hit the wrong button again. Damn it. Tiene <laughs> el alma de Pavreciana, huele a Libria Rosa Temprana. For this next season, Chivas is title contenders, man. They're, they've built, Higuera built a fantastic team so far. And with Almeida at the helm, I think they, they have, they're... You, you should take you should take him to Monterrey because I mean Turco didn't do anything for you guys. You, you lost you lost all the championships you could have played, and and they've been pouring money into that team. So well, if they bring some guy, uh, if they bring uh, if they decide to bring Iguera to uh, uh oh my God, Chile almost Jesus Christ. Because uh, yes, you replace him with Luis Miguel Salvador. Yeah, you know if if uh, if, if we do a switch. I tell you that he will elevate the, the profile of the other. Yes, because because he knows how much about football. Tell us, tell us his his experience within with the game. Well, look at Chivas TV, dude. That's revolutionary. It still hasn't been launched, dude. What? What's it's revolutionary. Uh... That's balls. It takes balls <laughs> to do business, dude. Come on, man. Look at look at the look at the bigger picture, other than. What, you charging know. people with don't know. money in Mexico to watch Chivas? I'm just saying, like, you know, right now you're still buffered. Dude, that. that's the equivalent of the guy that bought that eight spill and, and hiked it up 700%. That's, that's almost the same right there. Hey, you know, real fans will pay the money. And he's banking. But we're talking about broke Mexicans. Really they, broke. They, you know, they, if they're really fans, they'll figure out a way. <laughs> 
Look, look at all, look at all the the people paid three hundred, four hundred dollar tickets to Coro to watch Mexico get destroyed yeah, seven but zero. That, that wasn't that wasn't broke people. There, that wasn't really poor people. You what? You don't think there's broke Mexicans here that went there? Not the level of broke I'm talking about that are still in Mexico. Yeah, exactly. and, oh. Speaking of this stuff, did you see uh, Weasel and like a group of us were arguing with this one dude from Mexico about you know the Moleto games and all that stuff. People. You know, everybody in Mexico has a, a cell phone, and I think uh, it's very easy for them to uh, package it, as they've been doing in the U.S., where they give you free Twitter, free Facebook if you you sign up with with you know X company. Telmex is gonna be Telmex. Yeah, so you know I think there'll be some incentives to. And who owns Telmex? Well, Slim, Mr. Slim, they're the they're the biggest internet providers. And who uh, whose channel has the Olympics in Mexico this year? Yeah, it's Slim's channel as well. We might end up there. We we need TV, dude. I I don't, I don't see, and I agree with with Juan that that's probably what they're gonna be trying to do. And and uh, I still don't see how people would prefer to watch to watch it on a computer, on a laptop, or on their phone. You know, I just I can't picture myself watching a soccer game on it. Not everybody has fast internet. Telmex is not always fast. It's slow. It's I mean, listen to Juan's connection tonight, and he's in a hotel. Who does um? Oh, and hi, hi everyone. By the way, Daniel. Yeah. Cool, Dan. Yeah, pasó, Dan. What's going on, guys? <laughs> oh, you doing? <laughs> Daniel oh. Preciado has joined us, ladies and gentlemen, from Escondido, California. Daniel, have you uh? Are you like the rest of us? Did it did it not affect you as badly, and you've recovered? Yeah, yeah. The, the I I think I've gotten a little a little bit of perspective. Uh, it was still very fresh when when we first spoke. So I think we had I think we had one of our better shows. I think it was uh, uh, you folks that weren't participating. You should uh, listen to the special edition Siete Acero podcast. I think what was what was cool about it is that um, we didn't get a really chance to think about it, and to it was kind of just. The real, the real emotions of, of the moment were, were, were seeping out. I, I think I probably would have said a couple of things differently now that I do have that little bit of that perspective, and and I'm not totally spazzing out. Although I wasn't calling for his head initially, but um, are you calling for it now? No, no, no. Let, I, I've calmed down less. So I, I was completely. Uh, I had about a, a foot and a half uh, uh, out the door, and then I was just like, eh. You know, I've, I've resigned myself to the fact that whatever decision is made is going to be the wrong decision because that's that's just that's just the the track record. Whatever decision they make is usually the wrong one. Dan, yeah, Dan, do do you feel he's so he's going to keep doing his 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 style of tactics, his rotational move, and all that? I think for the most part he is. I do, although I have to believe that a, a seven zero. Even for the most stubborn of people, um, has to inject them with 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 a good dose of, of humility. So I, I I would be very surprised if 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 he if he approaches if he approaches the job in the exact same fashion. I do expect him to, to do some rotations, and and his whole philosophy I still think is probably going to be essentially the same. But I think he's got to be a little bit more reasonable where you know. 
yes, you're going to analyze everything and you're going to come up with statistics as to what the best move to make and all this and that and the other. But ultimately, um, you know, sometimes let a little bit of common sense come into play and say, all right, yes, the stats say to do it this way, but clearly this guy needs to be here. Or, you know, and along those lines where I'm hoping that it's a little bit more flexible with uh, with how he with how he approaches the game. I think that rotation is what gave Mexico the 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 ten game winning streak. You know. It's, but that, Fernando, do you watch college football? Um, <laughs> no. You don't watch college football. I don't watch any any TV really other than football. Okay, well, but you're familiar with you know Arizona State, Arizona. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with the university. Yeah. So I mean, and you you might know that like in the beginning of the year they play like the Sisters of Mercy and they beat them 58 to nothing, right? Okay. Okay. You know they do that. They play lesser schools just to kind of get them. You know, every school does. The Texas plays North Texas, etc. It happens all all over the country. So what Mexico did in those 10 games is they played 10 Sisters of Mercy. They didn't play anybody. They had one tough game it was against the U.S. and Tuca was coaching the team then. What about Uruguay? Uruguay, Honduras, in Honduras. Come on, man. Can be Honduras, in Honduras, I do think it though. I do think it's a little bit easy to go back in retrospect and say. Yeah, those games mean, meant nothing, but at the same time, you know, those were the games that were that were well, exactly. Of them, and he won them. Play the people those were the games that were lost or so. So, granted, yes, in this particular test, in this in his biggest of tests, he failed miserably. The team failed miserably, but I don't think it should cost him his job because I really don't think the seven goals were his fault. Um. I saw a, a couple of them just now that I just rehashed, and Miguel Ayun could have knocked two out by taking one more step, and he didn't do it. That's my point. Like, and and he played in his in his preferred position. Now people are gonna who are already leaning against him are gonna say, well, of course he had a bad game because he's no longer used to playing in that position. Which I can't. I think it's kind of a cop out personally. I mean, there's something to it where where. Well, so he only played. What, 50 games and with Porto in that position, you don't know how to play it again. Yeah, and, and I, but that's some of the arguments that we're hearing because he arguably had the worst game. Arguably, I mean, there, there's a couple of others that, that are really close to him as well. But I mean, you know, there, uh, Paulo Aguilar, he hasn't played a single position other than right back, as, as far as I know. Maybe he hadn't played every game, but. His natural position is right back. They put him in right back, and he and he and he sucked, absolutely sucked. Moreno played in his typical uh, center back spot, sucked. So I mean, yeah, we can go ahead and and because I think it's easy to just go ahead and say it's because of the rotations, but I think it, it, that that argument would have held a little bit more water had the players been playing in, in distinctly different positions. Um. As opposed to what they actually played on the, on that day was was their natural positions. I mean, I don't think they should have been that bad. I don't care how bad the rotations are; they gave up. Now, if you want to blame Osorio for not having the team motivated enough to, to pick themselves up, then all right, we we could blame him for that, I guess. But I mean, these guys are professionals. They they're supposed to be. I think, I think they went into it thinking they were probably gonna win. 
realized quickly that Chile was no joke and crumbled. Just crumbled. I just, but I just I just can't buy the fact that they underestimated Chile. I just I can't buy it. I don't buy I don't buy they did. Yeah. I know that they crumbled, don't get me wrong. So so but, how do we you know, explain the I think it was his tactics. His tactics, the way he set up the team and the back line failed. And and dude, again, he I'm saying he showed this the whole tournament. He failed to adapt. So team goes in losing uh the first half ends losing two zero. He's supposed to make tactical adjustments, even he player player changes. Instead of and yeah, we we think <laughs> five goals, three minutes, dude. Within three minutes, they scored the third goal, and then after that, the team crumbled even more. It's I, like I, I, I thought the game a, was over at two zero. The game was over at halftime. I know, but but if you're the coach, you at least have to. Mitigate, you mitigate it. You have to mitigate it. You have to mitigate the damage. I yeah, remember, I'm not saying. You know, I, I'm the first one to admit that, like, that, yeah, he's he got this game wrong. Like, yes, he got the tactics wrong. Um, I but it got worse. I, I, from the beginning, thought that the the proper approach would have been to at least go into the game with four midfielders. Um, just because their wing play is really strong and you want to be able to just at least be able to, to have additional numbers to try to get the ball back, you know, but... I mean, that Jamaica game was telling too. That Jamaica game was horrible, and you could just see that something bad was, something worse was going to happen, and it happened during Chile. You know, what was 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 scary about the Jamaica game is that Yasser Corona was the best player on the field for Mexico that night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Now, one last topic that we can talk about, and then I'm, I'm probably going to have to step off. I mean, that you guys have to, but uh, the. Uh, News that came out yesterday about Chicharito putting on about nine pounds. Did they really have to? Did they really have to say that? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Did they, did they? Did they have to leak that? I mean, did they say, "Oh, well, you know, he came back fat"? Come on. He didn't look. He didn't look fat to me. He, he was fine. Like, like, do you guys remember Pastor Lozano? Uh-huh. That player, Pastor Lozano. Right. <laughs> he got to play with, and you could tell that guy was a couple pounds. I think Cheech hides it well. If, if he were to gain some pounds, he wouldn't be able to tell. Well, regardless of whether he gained the weight or not, I mean, <coughs> that's, that's that's seriously the the information that you want to leak to the press is that oh, you know, Chicharito came in estaba a cuatro kilos. Well, it's probably a good way to get some of the. You think this is the press? Uh... If we start if we start finding faults in the players, then it takes some of the heat off Osorio and maybe makes his sacking a little bit less. It makes it seem more unreasonable if we start seeing that. Yeah, some players went into it half-assed, out of shape. Well, I would figure that that's probably the objective is someone's trying to take the heat off a little bit of off Osorio and blaming the players. I I think it's the the press. Uh, Getting back at Cheech for uh, avoiding them, you know, avoiding talking to them. Yeah, but I don't think that. I mean, but my point is, is that somebody leaked that information to the press. The uh, Sutcliffe, right? Than, than the press reporting. No, it's, it's John is saying someone in, in the Mexico soccer camp. Yeah, somebody in the FMF told somebody. I mean, it's probably Santiago Baños, is my guess. 
And I also heard that the reason that, that Giovanni didn't go, and I don't think it was Carlos Alberto said, it said that he and Santiago Baños just hate each other. For whatever reason. John, did you see the video of Baños and uh, Osorio arguing at the airport? Yeah, but uh, like I said, I mean, they could have been arguing about, you know, seat assignments. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, so. It looked pretty heated. But isn't yeah. it telling what Rangan said about about Osorio, what Osorio had told him? That, that Martin said that he's very passionate, that, that that's just how he is. No, no, but Thomas Rangan, because uh, Bain showed the, uh, Bain Sport showed, showed right. that clip. What did Thomas Rangan? He said that, uh, you know, that he got to talk to Osorio, and Osorio was telling him how no one liked him in FMF, and that he was just going to take advantage and use that opportunity to, to springboard to Europe. Well, he uh, if if that's his end game, then he's not playing the game very well. He's playing the Game of Thrones and losing is what's happening right now. Well, the whole springboard argument, I mean, isn't everybody looking for a better job? Not if you're at the national team level. That That is the better job. No, not really. You're crazy. Not really. What? Not, not, not really. really. I mean, if you're Colombian and you're coaching the Mexican team, that can't be the end-all, be-all. Then it's we don't need that coach, then. We don't need that coach to be hey, in Mexico. Vasco, Vasco turned down uh, an extension after the 2002 World Cup to join Osasuna. Because he, so he think, knew. He, but see, that's different. See, he, he didn't, didn't t- hold on. Hey, he Tuca, he, Tuca also turned down the job, so I think for some coaches... Tuca uh, has turned down the job several times. <laughs> and the guy that you probably want... Choked at, at a critical moment. And oh, yeah, but not seven zero choke. No, this guy. This guy. No, he literally choked. Fired after he won a tournament. He Talk literally choked stupid. somebody. That, I think oh, that, yeah. actually, that actually surpasses it on some ways, like the seven zero. I mean, yeah, but you know what? Yeah. No, there, there's no surpassing that seven zero. You have to lose eight zero. You know, Dan. I, I get even it, even if he did do that, that that to me in no way was ever a fireable offense. It just was. It it was. Well, uh, we, we're we gonna find you and discipline though, you, but we're not we gonna talked fire you. Talked about this you. before. How how the FMF wanted him out. They 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 gave him the rope and he and to hang himself. Yeah, but they and wanted him it. out for political reasons. The whole. Tweeting that the one, the Green Party or whatever it was, and, and stuff like that. He, I'm just, I'm just along the lines that you know, no matter what the reasons were, whether they were justifi- justifiable or not, he got fired. And I'm along the lines of, uh, of I don't like retreads. You know, once you, like like a girl that you've broken up with. If you've broken up, there's no point in getting back with her, man. Oh. You're just gonna have the same issues you had before. Hey, and she's not but gonna you make know, you, happy. you know what, La Puente. Move La Puente on. got fired after losing the – he lost the first Gold Cup to Boramilotinovic, and he came back and he had – he's had, like John said earlier, arguably the best run with the Mexican national team. Got us a Confederations Cup. And again, Piojo, while he was – while his last tournament, the team played really poorly. Played just as bad as we saw as we saw in this tournament, with the exception of the 7-0. But granted, we didn't play any, anybody nearly as good as Chile in that tournament. But you, they played really poorly. And I agree. I, I agree, but, so but I you know, know what? How, I don't know how we're, we're looking at this. Is like but, now that the 7 is in, like. But but like, you know you know what one difference is between between the team playing bad and then this one playing bad. 
a lot of the players weren't having good seasons. Chicharro wasn't doing good. Uh, a lot of the players, if you look at them, they weren't they weren't in a good moment of their and career. In addition, the a way lot of play, but the a World lot of Cup started were, much later. Look, and, and right now, no, no, but, yeah, yeah, but right now, yeah, but right now, right now, all our players are coming from really excellent seasons, like Chicharro scoring like so many goals. Uh, even the the Mexican players, like uh, uh, what's his name, Chucky, coming from a championship win. So you have all of these guys coming in from really good tournaments. Pretty was much the Gio, whole team. Wasn't Gio, wasn't Gio coming off a really good season? Jonah was, Jonah was in good form. I mean, there was a lot of players that, that were going into it in decent form. From Gold Cup? Yeah. It wasn't yeah, all the, doom and gloom. Guys. The big like, problem I, mean, I think, with I think it's Cup. a little bit a bit revisionist to go back and say they all came off shitty-ass season, so it was expected no, no. for them to be shitty. The, the, the no big way. problem with the Gold Cup, I'm going to interject here, is that it started a good two months after a lot of these guys had quit playing. So... I don't care how good you are. It's going to take you a while to, to get to get going. I mean, when a tournament starts in but, late June, after you know, when, when you've been you've been out since you know early May, and instead of early June where you have a couple of weeks, that's that makes that makes a big difference. Can we and, just argue though that that maybe the players are too tired and they didn't get enough rest between the season? I mean, no, we, we could not. we could argue it both ways. Dan, don't make me bring him up a bad cop. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just think it's it's really revisionist to go back and say that this team wasn't that bad last year when clearly the play, the team was really bad, and we're just going to go ahead and point to form. I mean, come on, I, I, I you know, clearly Joel was 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 against Osorio from the from day one, so now he's got yeah. to, to back up his argument. Um, you know, before 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 Saturday, everybody. Man, I'm not the only one saying that. Everybody was along the lines, kind of saying like, you know, they're not playing great because who's to say that that he doesn't learn his lessons and the team learns their lessons and and continues and goes on a, on a, on a on a new streak. That's totally plausible. I mean, you know, you know, with that, you know, with the, that the, the reality uh, wait, 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 is uh, uh, with that. Mike, what he just what uh, Dan said to put a little more to it. I actually see this. This lesson that we that Mexico had in the Copa America is uh, the same that they had in the previous Copa America before the gold, uh, before the Olympic gold. You know, the same team went to go crash and burn at Copa America 2011. Yeah, but and, they they may have lost games, but they didn't get just well anyway. Please. I know yeah. it was it wasn't 7-0, but you know they went through <laughs> a huge setback. And, and yes, they know, lost that, players and, because they were partying with hookers. That was their setback. No, no, those were not the players that had the setback. The ones that lost were the ones who went to the to the tournament. Yeah, but so, their loss was never that bad. And no, well, no. Here's the thing, though. They they took that up as a as a how do you say as a pause and building point for. Yeah, uh, but you're you're sending a under twenty three side and you're playing them against ex- good experience. It doesn't matter. Stronger they, teams, so it, there's a big difference there. No, what just the is that is that the team can build from this. Right now, I think you're missing his point. He's saying that as a motivation from a, as a from a motivational standpoint. But, but we're we're moment. going in circles, dude. This is a team that the players have been in two, three World Cups already, and, oh. and you're still telling me they need to learn. Everybody learns, man. No here's, matter how old you are. Here's what's going on. Let me let me just interject. Okay, there is a lot of I'll just say negative energy 
that's been around the national team for 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 a while. Probably probably starting with the Hulk and Butterol stuff. And uh, ooh, pitch invasion. They need to. This guy's about to get taken out. Anyway, uh, wow. That guy has some moves. Oh! <laughs> wow. They tackled him now. Wow. That's amazing. That guy had his angle. That was very nice. Anyway, as I was saying, there's a lot of, and, and you know, with the players not talking to the press, and it's just, you know, like I, like I said on Saturday, I think that sometimes stuff like this needs to happen just to get it all out. And even, even Rafa said, all right, now we got to go outside and, and face the music, you know, take the bullets. I think it was, 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 uh, was what he said. You know, the, you know, the, this to me was a moment for Mexico. You know what? It's it's burned down. Let's let's start again. And if that means bringing other players in, you know, whatever has to be done has to be done. I actually agree with that. I actually agree that Paola Aguilar should not be tapped again until he proves himself again. Um, There's a lot of guys that need to prove themselves again, not just Paul Aguilar. But, but I think he just called out a position though that's notorious. That's just Probably the weakest. I don't know who you're going to put in there that's going to be a whole lot better. Israel Jimenez. Israel. Favorite player, uh, Efrain Juarez. <laughs> I think Jesus Duenas also needs to uh, to be rethinked that, you know, uh, re-looked at, you know, like reevaluate his capping again. You know, well, see, here's the thing, and then this is something that I, that I will never understand. How on earth can Osorio not value a player like Jonathan Dos Santos who has played de contención in probably the second toughest league in the world and, and played well and done extremely well. Did they even call him up? No, Duca didn't actually, want I, him I there. agree with that. I think that was a mistake by Osorio. Even before the, the Cup started, that he should have at least brought him in, even if he wasn't going to play him, but at least have him there. You know, then I, I thought that was a mistake. I, I do agree that he, that was a big mistake. I think, I think Osorio was told who he can and who he can't. I, I think, think that's, I, I absolutely agree with you. I that's why I, yeah, I think they told him, hey, Gio and Bella, forget about it. So he he tried to push for, uh, he tried to push for Pulido, and then they pretty much shut that down too. They were well, like, that, yeah, no, no. And that's what I, what, what I'm trying to, I guess, not explain, but another another point of view that you need to see that this coach, because he's foreign, they keep they're keeping him on a short leash. No, they do they that to let, other they coaches. They should let him doing these rotations instead of questioning his lineups, you know, they should let him keep doing that because it was getting results. He was get he was on a on a winning streak. Getting season. results against weak teams per like oh, oh, why? Okay. Jesus Christ dude. No weak teams. The one that's like the one result that you can Okay, what about Chile and a friendly? Okay, so how many how many how many difficult how many tests were there? There were two. He passed one. What what test? This was his test. This was the test right here, Copa America Centenario with with arguably the most talented Mexican team ever playing at home, and he, he failed. He he failed in all, all levels. Not saying That's... he didn't fail. Um, he failed in this one game. Nah, man. Do you think? Do do you find the games against Jamaica and Venezuela acceptable? Yeah, they won. Yeah, actually, I knew Jamaica was going to be difficult because. These CONCACAF teams play Mexico tough. Okay, and, and we're talking we're not just talking about any Mexican team. This Venezuela, is one Venezuela, of our most Venezuela talented teams ever. 
Venezuela show that they're not pushovers. That okay. Jamaica wasn't. You're pretty much saying like. And they beat Uruguay. Jolie, if this is one of the most uh, talented Mexican teams ever, why do we still have uh, Rafa Marquez in the 20, I, list of 23? Well, see, that's that's what's been getting promoted for a long time. This is one of the most talented and strongest teams ever. And they're promoting there's, your brain, dude. Nobody has said that. But are they really? I, I mean, could, if, yes, everyone says that, dude. Come on. But do you agree? In your in no, your point never, of view, I've never. Fernando, you've said it like five times tonight. Yeah, but you're using that, pre- that as the, as a premise of your argument. So, are they or are they not the most talented? No, it's no, evident yeah. that they're not. So then, no, so, they have to so prove it. Remove that part of your argument, Joel. No, because see, that's why that's you're using that as your argument, but you yourself because, don't even believe it. So why? Because are you that's the measuring stick. That's yourself, because that's the measuring stick, lad. I got your measuring stick right here, buddy. So, you know, I I agree with Jolie now. If they were the best talented team, then definitely Osorio massively underachieved. But if, if... Well, it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Look at the game against Jamaica. Any Mexican team should never give that many turnovers and opportunities for Jamaica to have a clear shot, and they just totally fumble. fumble. And even, even if you look at this Jamaican team, it's not even one of their best... Jamaican teams. Are you like serious? A, Getting to the final of the Gold Cup? No, they're not, Come dude. On, if dude. You compare them to other Don't they have How many players do they... What do you think of Haiti? Dude, they don't exist as far as I'm concerned. With. <laughs> <laughs> Haiti who, dude? You just okay, say Haiti, and, dude. And, and they put two. They put two what? They barely beat them. Was it Tuca or, or who was it that just barely beat them? Tuca would have like a day to train with the team, man. Come on. Tukas was still like in Tigris duty, man. Now you're apologizing for Tukas? So, 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 so we have an excuse for everything, apparently. No, this dude, this guy had nine months to work with Yo, the team. Screw this. Nine months. How long was Tuka with the team? Did Fernando just rage quit? Yeah, <laughs> rage quit. Russell. No, I'm back here. Nine, nine months, dude. He has had nine months to, to lay his plan and execute it perfectly. I got your but plan laid right here, buddy. That's <laughs> at the national team level. That's not a lot of time, Jolie. Oh, how much I time mean, did PC did, have with Chile? He had less time. Did PC uh, rearrange the stars and the moon and the sun? Hey, well, whose fault is that, though, man? Hey, that's a federation. Trying to get cute and and mess. That is the federation's yeah. fault because that's the, the federation's the fault, man. Okay, but as coach, boat, you you have to be smart enough to know to what they were already doing. Yeah, but so if, so if but, Mexico wanted to do something similar, then they should have gotten a coach that coached in a similar fashion as as Piojo. They chose to go in a completely revolutionary direction. Okay, they, want, but they wanted the revolutionary mind. So hey, look, uh, that's down. what the new guys always want. They they want they want they think that they're going to make. They treat the national team unfortunately like a club team, and it's not. The national team is as. As we always say, it's guys that get together two days before, and then they're expected to play at an extreme level. It just never happens. So you've got to find something, find a guy that understands that, number one. And number two, a guy that, that, that is that is pragmatic enough to figure out that, hey, you know what, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be able to teach these guys all that much or anything new. We just have to figure out what's the best way to play together with the best hey, guys. Hey, I like Biesa to think that he's learned his lesson, John. I really do. It's seven goals. 
He had to have learned his lesson. Hey, but you, you know, you know, and there's something uh, I talked about, and John mentioned it. Because the, the team looked bad, they looked bad against Jamaica. So then, uh, you have the game against Venezuela, where he could be like, okay, I'm gonna try to patch things up, and he does nine cambios. And I think that at that point is like, all right, this dude's just. I, I don't know what he was thinking at that point, man. He, well, maybe I know exactly that, what he was thinking. He's thinking, thinking that he planned that it out for three games. Maybe he's thinking that his stars are in shitty-ass form and he's trying to find other players that, that, that want it more. Well, see, th- th- this is a guy who's so meticulous in everything he does. I, th- I, I firmly believe that his, the three games and who he was going to play in those three games, unless they're like suspensions, was predetermined. And I think, that, I think he knew that. I think the players knew that. I think that they knew what the game plan was as going into the group stage. I'm not saying it's a good strategy or a bad strategy, but I think it's a very interesting strategy to have in a tournament. I mean, you know, maybe he understood the fact that, that his team wasn't as, as good as had been hyped, and maybe all he wanted to do was just treat this as, hey, man, I have four games to look at my guys and see what they can do. So I'm not saying, you know, that that, that happened, but I'm certainly uh, giving some... Some possibilities. Hey. Just knowing that he's that every decision he makes is like is like super incredibly calculated. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just it's just, he, that's the kind of guy he is. So you're saying he's El Chapulín Colorado? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, no, because El Chapulín Colorado like stumbles his way, you know, into figuring stuff out. I don't think this guy is stumbles about it and that every move he makes is very deliberate and uh, you know if, if, if he realizes that, that the that nobody likes him in the Federation then it's probably a good time for him to maybe go somewhere else hey you know uh, who, who, who uh, also became uh, a manager in Mexico around the same time as Osorio is a uh... What's that guy's name, uh, Fernando? You mentioned it. Uh, Matias uh, Pelado. What's it? What was the last name? Matias Alme- Almierda. <laughs> yeah, that guy. So so far, if if you were to uh, draw parallels between both the managers, uh, they both came in, uh, you know, rearranging, reinventing the wheel, uh, and it took what uh, made uh, about nine months to get Chivas firing. Uh, on our cylinder, so how long will it take uh, Osorio to get the team playing uh, the way he wants? And those are, aren't exactly equivalents either. Nine months coaching a... Uh, uh, well, I think that that's what he's saying, is that if it took a guy yeah. nine months to do that with his having his players every day, how long is it going to take Osorio, who gets his players well, for three days I'm every three months? what you think, Juan. Do you think he should be fired? <laughs> who, Almeida? No, uh, Osorio. Nah, I think... Uh, there's no point in firing him. I mean, look, if they fire him, who are they going to bring in? Nobody uh, wants a job. Uh, nope. Yeah, you're wrong right there, dude, because ironically, Almeida does want the job. Piojo does want a job. There's still people that want it. Might not be the people we want, but there is people that would take it. It's not the people we want, it's just the one that we deserve. <laughs> Piojo. <laughs> Well, I, I told y'all when uh, when Osorio was hired that uh, that Piojo was going to end up coaching Mexico and Russia. 
if they even make it at this point. So, you know, there's never a guarantee. I think they're going to make it walking, John. Yeah, I agree. I think I think the last, uh, no matter who the coach is, uh, but I, I think the last was a serious anomaly. Um, the games are going to be difficult, but I, I think they're going to qualify relatively easily. So you think that they got all the bad juju out in, in this 7-0 and, <laughs> and it's going to help them out in the long run? I do think that, but more than anything, I just don't think um, it was just such a, a horrifically long, bad streak that Chapel had that I just I have trouble anticipating that's going to be the same issue, and I think and I think maybe this team there may be slightly more depth in certain positions um, that might be able to keep the the, the 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 starting eleven a little bit at least some some players. Um, you know, keep the competition uh, going strong. All right. Here's you one know, last I, question for you guys. Go ahead, Juan, and then I'll ask question. Well, I just wanted to comment on uh, on Chepo. Chepo's undoing was that uh, that both Cheech and uh, Giovanni went on a cold streak for for a long time, and there was basically no plan B. Now we have uh, this new manager, uh, Osorio. <laughs> 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 you know, he's... <laughs> He comes in. He 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 looked at all the facts and said, "All right, uh, the last failure uh, was due to players being in a slump. So you know, I better make sure I turn every. I leave no st- no stone on uh, no stone unturned. And uh, I think that's exactly what he's preparing for. So I don't foresee a repeat how of many, uh, how many teammates uh, were on this team. How many players were the same team on this national team?" You mean uh, that play at the same club? Yeah. Uh, I don't think there were any. Wait, in this national team? Yeah. There was uh, uh, Moreno. Layun. Layun. No, no. Oh, Moreno and Guardado. That's it, right? And there was like Layun with and the Porto guys. Tecatito. Right. But no, but no one from Mexico. Um, Aguilar, maybe. No, Aguilar, no, Aguilar came in with with uh, with uh, Piojo. Aguilar was the only uh, crema. There was a crema, Tigre, uh, Talavera with Toluca, Corona with uh, Cruz Azul, Dueñas Tigres, uh, Lozano, Julit Chivas, Lozano, Pachuca, Ori- oh, Oribe, Oribe and Aguilar. So they're, they're, those are the two uh, America guys. So, very, so my point is very few. And uh, that's... It seems like that's uh, going to be a good uh, recipe for for qualifiers is to make sure that you're bringing guys that are familiar with each other. So if if, if there's a Mexican, see that, and that's the sad thing about the 10-8 thing is that I'm not saying that they're not going to be that many Mexicans, but out of the 11 guys, chances you know if there's more, I'll, I'll say it for you, John. There's not going to be that many Mexicans. Right, because if, there's, if there's more. There's few right now. There's going to be less. Look at the goal scoring chart. One Mexican and he's 30, 30 yeah, something but, but years old. No offense, but that the goal scoring chart's been like that for years. <laughs> but and see, and it's gonna get worse. It's gonna get I worse. I honestly think yeah. it's gonna get worse. I uh, I probably would agree with that. Well, America might might have some Mexicans in their club now. So that's a turn for the good. From selección or who? What this Mexican gonna... food? Club America, they're going to have to sign some Mexicans because they don't meet the rule currently, oh. right? <laughs> oh, I don't even know, man. Where is our 
Resident Americanistas, MIA. Oh. I didn't have to see that. I don't know where he went. It's uh, very sad that he's not here. Anyway, so here, so pretty sure it was Osorio's uh, rotation is that uh, left him out of the lineup tonight. Here's, here's my last question. Do you think that because of the fact that, that there was an Olympic Games and for whatever fucked up reason, the uh, the FMF wanted to like to, to keep the Olympic players on one team and uh, were there anybody on? Well, I guess my point is, was there anybody on the Olympic team uh, that could have helped this team make it just a little bit better? Because I think I think there are a few guys that probably should have been called up, probably should have played. I know we're you know, played woulda, coulda, shoulda, but it, it seems like there were there were some Olympic players that I think that would have really, really been helpful. You know, I think Cesar Montes would have been a great addition. What a shock! <laughs> I don't know any Olympic players that would have helped. Who? Well, I do think Montes would have helped. I think that Pizarro from Pachuca would have helped. Oh. I think Orbelin would have helped. Um, See, the, the deal with those guys, though, is I think Chucky was the best out of all of them, and this, this Chile game was too much for him. Well, I don't think it was too much for him, but I think it was too much for him to start. I, I would have loved to have seen Jimenez start and have Chucky come off the bench. I think that, that was an option that uh, that was a, a a bullet that he fired way too early, in my, I mean, in my opinion. I think Goraua would have been better there. Well I, mean, well, I guess my point is, if we wouldn't have had an Olympic Games, would we, would we have seen those guys on the team? And I think the answer is yes. I don't think we would have seen Duenas. I don't think we would have seen uh, Yasser Corona. I don't think we would have seen uh, some of the other uh, midfielders, like Julet uh, Peña, no chance. I think it would have been uh, Pizarro from Pachuca. Just my personal opinion. I could be wrong. Maybe I I, th- I still think like the tactics Osorio went in with into the Chile game would have ruined them either way. So I said it's a good thing they didn't go because they'd be quemados and we never we never see or hear from them again. Like the, I the actually I, I think that would have happened too. <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> yeah, man, what happened to those guys? That's the point, man, huh? Man, Torito Silva was I thought was going to be just a superstar, and uh, and Gaucho Avila too. Both of them, I thought they were going to be just. Tremendous. It just fell apart after that. But I, I don't think it, I don't think they would have fell apart like individually as players. I think this is sort of um, to an extent a one-off type of game because all the if you look at all the goals, many times the shots that Chile made that, for goal would have been hit in a different direction and probably would have been blocked by either Ochoa or by a defender. But they just hit everything perfectly in the right spot. Every single attempt and you know all seven of those goals were perfect. And Mexico made all the wrong moves, mistakes. Even the Layun, like you were talking about the two Layun possible um, defenses that he could have made, um, he might have been off balance. He might have been you know expecting something else or whatever. But everything just lined up perfectly. Like the stars lined up for Chile to do that. So I really think it was like a shooting star type of deal where you won't pass. Yeah, it's a one-time thing. Well, and Osorio combining it with Osorio messing up and the players having a horrible game. You know, 
I, I think that they will move up. They're the only, they're only, they can't hit any no, any lower. The only way is up. They got to be tough too psychologically. I mean, yeah. up here, some of them are. I've seen some of them, some of them post pictures of, of like eating dinner and having a role an interview or like at the <laughs> beach and all this stuff. But uh, they got to be, they got to be able to learn and get up from being humiliated to be stronger out the next time. Well, I thought that that was, uh, you know, the first step in that was what Rafa told the players at the end of the game in the locker room. It's like, all right, boys, go out there and take your medicine. And, well, you were there, Fernando. Did did all 23 players stop and talk? Almost all of them, yeah. Uh, I don't, the thing is, is that when one player will, will start, uh, you don't argue about it, talking with them, another one will pass by and then they'll stop with the press further down. So, yeah, they were, they, they were lining up. To talk to the press. Yeah, he was the first one out. He was the first one out. Actually, no, it was Rafa first, then Chicharito, then the rest of the players came one at a time. The ones that weren't stopping was the Chile players. And I was actually, uh, I'm gonna post these on an article soon enough. Is uh, uh, like all the audio clips from every single other players that were that I was able to talk to. And when what's his name, uh, Guillermo Chua was talking to us. Pasó un chileno with a big old radio just blasting and you could hear on the on the recording. It's pretty funny. Claudio Bravo comes and gives him a, a love tap. And uh, that, that was kind of funny about that. I didn't even know they knew each other. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was a sight to see. Every, from every single game, they would ditch us to, they you know, they would come to us and talk to us. It's like they, it's almost like they wanted, they needed our support. <laughs> well, that's exactly what they wanted. They wanted to get the word out to the people that, hey, man, you know, we. So yeah, it's uh, it's funny how they think that they don't need the press until they need them. Yeah. So, but you know, it goes both ways. The press has to treat them with respect too, and I think that that's what the, what the players probably bitch about the most is uh, the like attacks on their personal life and stuff, which I think should be off limits, but that's just me. Gentlemen, I think that we've uh, we've run the course of this show. Uh, we'll be on again next week, and uh, maybe we'll, uh, maybe now that Copa America will be over, we'll actually start watching some of the Eurocopa, which uh, is so bizarre, but I just I just haven't been paying attention. Normally hey, John. Riveted. Yes, sir. Can we squeeze in a, a shout out a, a apology? Sure. Uh, Who are we apologizing to? To uh, Steve and Serge. Uh, apparently, uh, they they were ready to go and come on the show, but uh, due to Osorio's uh, rotations, they were you know tactical decision <laughs> left them out. <laughs> well, that is rough. I'm gonna have to get some Osorio drops for talking about the rotaciones. I have to include those here on our little. Our little mix. Get the one where he says, "I'm sorry" to the entire pueblo mexicano. <laughs> right. And of course, we need to give a shout out to Ronnie who uh, did join us. How does that happen? How does that happen? Hello, BBC. That's what I meant. All right. All right, gentlemen. This has been the uh, the Los Acero Football Podcast. Thank you guys for joining us. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to a bunch of folks ramble on about the sport of soccer that we all love so much. 
Daniel Preciado, thank you for joining us. I believe Dan's. Thank you. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No worries, no worries. <laughs> Fernando, thank you for joining us, sir. It's a pleasure, as always. Chiquis, enjoy the heat. Yep, thanks for having me on. It was fun. Cohen, a pleasure. We'll uh, we'll see each other on the on the Twitter sphere with our next uh, installment of our. Like, likewise, John. Hey, does that get good uh, good ratings? I good, I need to check. I need to check. Uh, yeah, please let me know. Be a pleasure. Juan, hope the the rest of your tryout goes well with uh, with your boy. We need we need players like him. Thank you, John. Uh, it's good. It's good talking to you guys again. Always a pleasure. Well, like I said, this has been the Dos Acero podcast. You can catch it every Wednesday night live on YouTube, and of course, you can hear this recording and all the other recordings of our shows, including our special edition Siete Acero podcast that we had last Saturday night. Please join us again next week. Always a pleasure. This has been John Chigun. Thank you very much. Thank you.